podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome every single one of you bastards to episode 373. It's a motherfucking palindrome of film bastards. My name is Ian Loring, and as always, I am joined by Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. Hello, one and all. Becky will be with us later. Yeah. Uh, Work business is in the way. Um, Mark doesn't currently have work business, but he will soon. Yeah. Um, and I back from Monday. <laughs> nice. Ah, oh, good. Um, just because it, it kind of feels like time and space has kind of been a amorphous blob for you the last few weeks. It has. It has been literally. It. It's been weird at this time because Becky has essentially just been nothing's changed for Becky at all. Yeah. Nothing's changed for Isabel at all. But literally, I am. It's like today I I went I walked out to the shop and I think that's the first time I've actually been out of the house properly since um Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Um. So like that's the first time I'm out of the house with the exception of walking to the bin outside and that's it. Um. And it was it, it was weird. Um, I actually also for the first time walked into a shop and completely forgot to put my mask on. I, I had one with me and I put it on straight away. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I literally, as I walked in, a guy just went, "Mask, dude." And I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, he didn't, like he didn't say it in a stroppy way. It was more like this guy's clearly forgot to put his mask on. Yeah. Put my mask on. It's all, it all fine. But it was like it's my my world means nothing at the moment <laughs> <laughs> at all. Um, what made it all worse? Um, a little bit, I think, for me, was the fact that the first two weeks of it, this is going to sound really fucking stupid, were international football break. So I had, I, I, I had nothing. Saturdays had no meaning oh, to me. God, because yeah. Because no meaning because there's no football. And it was just like, every day is just a... That's it. Just... I, it was... I just... I got to the point of where I couldn't do anything. I've just become paralysed by, essentially, time. So it's like, I can watch film. But I could watch them another time. I could play a computer game. I could play a computer game another time. I could fix the Hoover. I might fix the Hoover. I could fix the Hoover while I'm watching a film. But I could do that tomorrow. <laughs> and so it's got to the point now where I'm back at work on Monday and all those little things in the back of my mind to do over these four weeks. Fucking done. I don't have any of them. <laughs> Good for you. No, I mean, you just, you, you know, it's, I don't know what the fuck I'd do. It, it, you know, I, I wouldn't have plans. I'd probably just, I don't know, watch films and doom scroll. Even though, to be honest with you, there's not been that much doom scrolling because the whole Trump stuff's been so delicious. So it has been quite delightful, hasn't it? Like it fucking, 
in, fucking incredible, like Rudy Giuliani in the hair dye. Just um, oh my god, beautiful. And that one fucking um, lawyer who was saying, what was it that like the the, the machines were the, the, the voting machines were corrupted by the Chavez regime. <laughs> yeah. And then like, like, sorry, go on. He's like, he died seven years ago. <laughs> And then, like, Trump had to put out a statement saying she's got nothing to fucking do with me, basically, which is saying something. Yeah, um, and it's, it's a bit like, uh, but, like, she's got nothing to do with you, yet she's on the affidavits that you've submitted. Did you see the one about the Minnesota thing? <laughs> it's it's incredible. I mean, like, if Trump, if Trump does somehow stand for re-election in a few years, we're going to have to go through all this game again, but... God, just live in the fuck, just bask in it for a bit. You know what I mean? It's um, I mean Biden's got a tough old time ahead, but fuck me, the last couple of weeks on Twitter has been has been all right. Um, yeah. it, it's it, it's it, in a weird way, it seems like the world is deciding to kind of heal itself. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, like Joe Biden literally just tweeted like ten, fifteen minutes ago, just America is back. And it's like. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I like, and I know I've said it on the show before, but Four Seasons Total Landscaping is still the funniest fucking shit I think I've ever lived through. Like, just that few hours. Just, just fucking beautiful stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's glorious. It it is, it's something that will go down in history as being just when this happened <laughs> brilliant anyway you love to see it right coming up on this week's show uh we've got gonna be um starting something uh like a thread that's going to be uh weaving its way through the next few weeks actually uh looking at um the um steve mcqueen directed and co-written um i suppose feature film anthology or like tv movie anthology i suppose um but you know, at least one of them could have easily played in cinemas. I'd say out of the two, we're going to talk about. Uh, yes. So this uh, this is the uh, starting the small acts anthology. We're going to be talking about Mangrove, which uh, was on BBC uh, last week and uh, is on Amazon Prime in the US, um, and Lovers Rock, which played on the BBC this past Sunday and is on Amazon Prime this Friday in the US. Um, we're also um, I will just say I completely blanked on jujitsu, so I think we're going to cover that next week. Uh, yeah, that's one hundred percent my bad. I it it just dropped out of my head that we were reviewing it until yesterday, um, and uh, as of twenty four hours ago, I still hadn't seen my Mangrove or Lovers Rock, so it was a bit of uh, catch up for me. Um, but yeah, we're also going to be continuing our mini Tarantino retrospective, which has kind of snuck up on us, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, we're going to be uh, looking at 2009's Inglorious Bastards, which uh, uh, Film Bastards and Dude and the Monkey, uh, as it was, uh, uh, well, wasn't around uh, at the time that Inglorious Bastards actually first came out. So, um, yeah. Uh, we've also got some news. We've got some trailers. Uh, I believe we've got some Twitter questions. So um, we'll say filmbastards at gmail.com. Don't talk about that nearly enough. Um, you know, if you, you know, any uh, any written correspondence is uh, gratefully received there. 
uh patreon.com forward slash film bastards um two dollars a month gets you longer episodes um this week's episode is like a 14 15 minute chunk at the uh beginning which isn't in the regular feed um but, 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 the uh bond commentaries um have started uh will be we do need to set a date to do the next fincher club that's that's bad us um yeah. but we will get there um and we've got a treat that's going to be dropping on christmas day yeah but we're not going to fucking tell you we're not going to tell you what it is but um something at christmas day uh you know if if you're a patron and if you're unable to see family or whatnot um on on christmas day um you know and i hope that's not the case but but if so You've, you've, you've got some fresh audio content dropping on um, Christmas Day for you. So um, I hope you get something out of it. Um, we are podsyndicate.com. Uh, lots of uh, activity going on at the moment. Um, I put up a written review of Mank, which uh, I will um, talk about briefly on the show. Um later on in a kind of a non-spoiler context before we go uh, balls deep in it in a couple of weeks time uh but there's a review of mank there um also uh mike from chinstroker uh, versus punter uh has put up a video interview with uh evan eva gora who plays elnor on star trek picard um yep uh yeah no that's right i, I just wanted to make sure on that yeah. uh which um yeah apparently he dropped some kind of like trek exclusives yeah some trek news exclusives on there as well so uh yeah no um, uh, you love to see it um but yeah you got uh iron sequel his film her movie entertainment landfill what's on tap twin choker versus punzer film rant film rant is back obviously um uh, lovely review of uh, Wolfwalkers by uh, by Noel on there, I must say. Um, and yeah, I think that's the uh, that's the that's the preamble out of the way. Uh, anything anything to add there, Mark? No, I think we I think we, we covered everything there, didn't we? Yeah, yeah cool. Okay, it's worked there. Yeah. So I think the you know the, the 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 big film news of the week i think is is the wonder woman news uh yeah. probably fair to say isn't it um so yeah wonder woman 1984 um is going to be getting a cinematic release in the us but it's also going to be streaming on hbo max uh for a month apparently and then they're going to take it away again um and is going to get a theatrical release where cinemas are open worldwide um i gotta say there was a podcast i was listening to uh the other day which will remain nameless where people were kind of saying like why just delay it we'll wait um somebody on that podcast did say they've got to make some money for the shareholders they're probably fucking bleeding money that that which i 100 percent agree with um but also cinema some cinemas are staying open giving them some product now instead of just delaying it into an intensely crowded 2021 feels like quite a nice fucking giving move by warners 
like they did with Tenet. They didn't make nearly as much money as they probably would have with um, Tenet. They're not going to make as much money with Wonder Woman 1984. And I'm not saying it's a purely altruistic move, um, but, you know, they do have shareholders who they need to make some money for. Um, But at the same time, this is probably going to keep a lot of cinemas going over the Christmas period. Um, You know, like with UK cinemas, Freaky is also opening on Boxing Day now, apparently. Yeah. and it's so cinemas can now have now got Wonder Woman 1984 and Freaky, you know, like if they could maybe like if some distributor could get a kids film out there as well. It's, it, you know, it will be the worst Christmas in fucking ages, but it wouldn't be nearly as bad if, if Wonder Woman wasn't in the marketplace. Um, it all depends on this on this tier system, obviously, and how many cinemas are actually going to be able to open and whether the cinemas think it's financially viable, but I'll be honest, I think anywhere where that's tier one or two where cinemas can open, what chain other than Cineworld is going to go, yeah, I'm all right without Wonder Woman, thanks. That's it. It's it, 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 it's a big release uh, that, that people have been crying out for. Um, I, I do think it is... Um, the fact of the matter is, I think a lot of the times, with, with uh, from a purely business point of view, is it's easy to think of these studios as being wealthy. Um, and there's a difference between being wealthy and being worth a lot of money. Um, and so there's every possibility that Warner just want to get a little bit of future cash in the bank, to be honest. Uh, and have gone, right, well, we need, to, we need to do this to cover this, this and this. And we need to do this to do this, this and this. If we don't get a bit of money in now, we can't start making this or we can't market this. You know, it, it's that that's it. It's the knock on effect. If you basically cut off what's, what is a large sample of the um, of the money that, that studios make, then th- th- they've got they've not got that to start plugging and, and essentially marketing the next one and the next one and the next one. And they've got a, they would have a lot to market next year, so it, it could just be a little bit of do you know what? Yeah, we're not going to make the fucking money back on this. But the flip side is we're probably going to make more. One are probably going to make more on the home release of Tenet than they were previously budgeting for, because yeah, yeah. people are going to buy it. You know, that, that, that's it. People will buy it. People will rent it. It, it will it will make money um, there. Um, Wonder Woman 1, it just seems a little bit like they've gone, right, we can't find a spot to drop it in where yeah. it's going to get three weeks. So do we just go, fuck it. Let's go like this. Get a shitload of people on HBO Max in the US. Uh and everywhere else, other territories, we'll just we'll take what we get, and we'll go from there. And we don't have to; it doesn't have to get called a bomb or anything like that because it's it, it's released in a specialized circumstances. The, 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 yeah, I mean, the, the, this is it, you know. I mean, like we we've talked about before, before, but Tenet has done pretty fucking well worldwide. It's done about three hundred million dollars. Um, you know, that's not that's not too shabby given the circumstances now wonder woman would will probably do more than tenet as you know as long as screens are open yeah you know um so 
it, it's not, you know, I mean, Tenet has done uh, 350 million worldwide, I think. Yeah. Wonder Woman, if it could get to like 500, 600 million, given the circumstances, you know, it will make its money back. Um, and Warner have money in the short term to keep them going. And then 2021 is going to be a boom year. And the thing is, like with Tenet, Wonder Woman is basically going to be the only fucking show in town. You know, you've got, you know, you, you, like I say, you've got freaky, but I mean, it's freaky, you know, um, which I'm really looking forward to. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's freaky. Uh, the crudes too is due in February. Um, Raya and the last dragon, uh, and I believe boss baby two are due in March. Um, and then no time to die in April. And then it kicks on from there. So, Warner do have the have the kind of position now to go look we will play for three four months and you know in January February when the vaccines start coming out and whatnot people may start feeling more feeling more comfortable about going to the cinema to be fair plenty of people felt comfortable going to the cinema for Tenet yeah you know and it, it and I, I get it if people don't feel comfortable going absolutely fair enough and if you're in an area that's like locked down too much then 100 percent i simp i i sympathize you know it's like everybody has experience of not being able to go to the movies um it's just the fact there's light at the end of the tunnel it's like this is the last touch wood this is the last massive release where you will probably act, like have a legitimate concern about going out. I mean, I I will say the UK Cinema, uh, Cinema Association put out something today saying it's fucking ridiculous that tier three means no cinemas when gyms and whatnot can open when not one outbreak has been traced back to a cinema. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I feel say I like I I feel more comfortable sitting in a fucking socially distanced cinema than I do going shopping. Yeah. Um but you know this is this is the the last one that we're we're probably going to have to deal with in this regard. Um and yeah that that you know there we go. I am pleased as fucking punch that hopefully in about 3 weeks or so we'll be able to see Wonder Woman. That's great. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I will happily go and see it. Um, you know, it, it, whichever cinema I'm near. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's it just looking at the Christmas period now. I mean, a, l- a little bit of side news coming to America, not on Prime Video until March. Ugh. Which fucking sucks. Well, it now, you cowards. Yeah, it, I mean, it is a little bit like that, isn't it? Um, But so now but now we've definitely in some capacity got wonder woman i i don't get that but coming on america that uh, yeah go on right so it was going to be released around christmas anyway mm-hmm. um then amazon buy it right and they pay a lot of money for it they paid like 80 million dollars for it didn't they yeah right and then they're gonna release it in march why What's the point? Makes you wonder if they've got something it, yeah. hidden. I, but but with Amazon, they probably don't. 
that's that's the thing. It it, it just seems like there's a lack of joined up thinking with the way Amazon approached its streaming service. Like very much like it is its secondary business. Like they're in it because they kind of have to be, but they can't be arsed with it. And it is very much like they've got the second best version of this streaming thing. Yeah. In the same way as they've got like the third best music streaming thing. Yeah. And it's it, it, it does seem like that. Like it's just it's there because well fuck it, why not? But it, it is it does seem like I see Amazon Prime, like I get Amazon Prime, and as a bonus for that, I get Amazon Prime free delivery on my Amazon things. But Amazon don't see it that way. It's like, no, look, Prime, you get Prime, which means you get free delivery and everything like that. And also as well, you get the streaming service with it as well. And it, it's it's odd that that is the way that they view it. And then they'll go and throw $80 million at a film that, just put it out on December the 22nd. It, it just it, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. No, no. Um, I imagine they're probably going to do a theatrical for it as well. Um, if it, it, that, I can see the point. To be fair, coming to America came out in cinemas in like mid February, a couple of weeks before it before it hit. I'll go fucking see it. I'll fucking go and see it. Yeah. You know, I I think. You know, in the US, you know, they'd probably probably do all right, actually. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's it, it's odd. But then again, though, I mean, like the Christmas calendar is I, I, I do wonder. I think this came out after the Wonder Woman news. And yeah. I wonder maybe there was a, a, a feeling of, well, fucking hell, HBO Max are going to be taking all the air out of the room now, like in the US. You know, so you got Wonder I mean, Wonder Woman and Soul both debuting on streaming services in the US on Christmas Day. Fucking hell. You know, I mean, that's 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 something. Even though I do I do I do wonder with Soul whether they if Disney knew what they know now about like the vaccine and whatnot, whether they maybe would have um, stayed the course a little bit with Soul just in terms of like the cinema release. Well, that's it, because, I mean, I'm very much I, I, I literally keep forgetting and I'm quite looking forward to Soul, but I keep forgetting that that's happening, that that's going on to Disney Plus on Christmas Day. Yeah, I it's there, there's 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 going to be shit tons of TV ads and whatnot for, for Soul when it when it comes to it. And that, that's I, it, because the, the probable fact is the, the probable reason why I don't know that and why I keep forgetting it. Is because I, I because I, I I don't watch TV. TV, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's not there. The only adverts I see um, when I'm watching TV is when I'm watching football, and they are beers, cars, and betting companies. Um, yeah, you know the the only that's how I have seen it is seen advert so was during one of the, the adverts for for the football, um, and I was like. Oh fucking hell yeah! I forgot about that. So it, it, it's probably that thing of it, it's just it's not I'm not exposed to it. Um, like it, but it will it will certainly be out there. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to kind of like that post Christmas dinner um, eating thing and then sitting down and watching Soul. That that, that sounds like a nice fucking Christmas day. That. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think I'm going to be too far gone to watch Soul on Christmas Day. Um, even though 
kind of like the fact that it's basically going to be around the in-laws and just like seeing them and my sister-in-law and her her partner it's like the idea of us all just like eight o'clock or so just sticking soul on just in a kind of like drunky boozy woozy way that's pretty appealing but i don't think it will happen because my mother-in-law really likes call the midwife (laughs) and my father-in-law really likes mrs brown's boys so um i'll be on my phone you know um yeah but i it's so okay so what does the lineup look like now then we got one Wonder Woman 1984, hopefully the week before Christmas. And then around Christmas, we got The Midnight Sky, Soul, um, I swear there was something else. I mean, there's Freaky on Boxing Day, but I swear there was something else. Something else. There's something else that comes out on Netflix on like the 18th or something like that, isn't there? Uh, fuck is it? Netflix originals. There's something else that's coming out on Netflix. Sure there is. Oh, it's the um the Chabot Bozeman one. That was it. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That's the fucking one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah, on yeah. the 18th, isn't it? Yeah, there we go. So that our Christmas period shows are gonna be fucking stacked. Yeah. And then January is going to be a wasteland. <laughs> January is going to be all of the other little bits. January is going to be VOD central. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, One Night in Miami comes out on Amazon Prime mid-January. Uh, it's getting a theatrical release on Boxing Day. If you feel comfortable going to the fucking cinema and you want to watch some high-quality shit, One Night in Miami. Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, um, that, that, that yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. January will, will bring us something. Just don't know what, <laughs> um, any other film news at all? No, I don't think anything else has really happened. It's been a bit of a, it's been a bit quiet, hasn't it? Hmm. Isn't that a bad thing? No, no. I mean, you know, it's Thanksgiving weekend uh, week as well, isn't it? So it's uh, yeah. there's there's not going to be much. We talked about the Viagra musical last week, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, all right then. So let's move on to some trailers. Mark, what have you been watching? Trailers, uh, only a couple to be honest. There's only been a couple that have come across my radar. Uh, so I've watched the uh, the Godfather Code uh, trailer. Oh uh, yes. I, I'm very intrigued by this. The only issue I've currently got is is I, I can't really remember the Godfather three that well. <laughs> like mm. because it's the Godfather film that I've watched the least. Um, it's not all of it isn't fully sat in my brain like uh number one and number two is so the thing is i might have to re-watch the godfather part three the, the, the current version and then re-watch this but it's a long film and i'm i'm not one of the opinion of you know what it's not actually that bad it's just number one and number two are so much better that it makes it look worse i actually think it is a bit crap 
Um, so rewatching it again will be like, right, no, actually I'm rewatching the crap version so I can rewatch the good version. What if the good version, the new version, is just as crap and I've wasted six hours of my life? <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm 100% gonna watch The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two over the next couple of weeks. It's it's yeah, happening. It's been there. I'll have to rewatch. I'll not have to, but I will rewatch those as well because you kind of got on, haven't you? Uh, it's a good excuse to rewatch them. But then you're looking at there. So if I'm rewatching three and then I'm watching three in a coda, that's like what nearly six hours. Then um, you've got Part Two, which is what three and a half hours nearly. Yeah. So then you've got like nine of it hours. You're talking probably pushing sort of twelve hours worth of fucking watching. I'm I'm not watching the original part three and then watching the uh, the coda version. That's I think I might have to. Oh mate. So so that so that I can go, yeah, that's new. Alright, that's new. Alright, this has changed. Alright, this has changed. The thing is apparently it's it's a new ending, uh, a slight new edit and a new um beginning. Well I remember the beginning quite well. Uh, but I don't know the ending that well. So, yeah, so I, I might have to do that. But, yeah, it's thing is, I'm watching the trailer going, this looks like a really fucking good movie, but I've already seen it, and I know it's meh. <laughs> I've, I've been itching to watch the God, rewatch the Godfather trilogy for a while, but I've been thinking it's going to come on, it's going to be a 4K at some point. Still hasn't fucking happened, and I remember, God, I remember when the DVD collection first came out, and God, do you remember that time where like DVD collections were fucking crazy expensive? Like I am, um, oh. I was, was working. It, was, was it the brown cover ones? Uh, no, it was black cover, and then they the re-released it as brown cover. Yeah, that had like different bits in, like a little notebook and things like that. Yeah, it was um like the the inserts were the were um cardboard. They weren't like um amore cases. They were yeah. um oh man, but it was like that and the the Alien anthology when it first came out. Um or the quadrilogy um even like that fucking thing. I remember I was working at a uh, W H Smith in Bristol. And I had a discount card and I was pumped because I got like 20% off. And that alien like DVD set still cost me like 60 quid. <laughs> yeah. And it was like now, God, you could buy the uh, alien films and Prometheus and whatnot on Blu-ray for probably like 10, 15 pound. You know, it, it, it's so fucking weird. But I was just so fucking excited about having the Godfather on DVD. Um, um, but yeah, I... What they'll do though, they'll they'll release it. They'll release because the, this this coder is coming out on Blu-ray and digital. They're gonna release a 4K set with fucking everything next year. Um, right. It's like just a slight tangent, right? So they announced the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit trilogies um, on 4K a little while back. But this Christmas you can get the the individual trilogies on 4K. But then next year, they're releasing a mammoth set that's got all of them and new extras. And it's like, God knows what there's what what there is left, because the fucking the extended edition Lord of the Rings DVDs were like some of the crowning achievements of fucking DVD. So I think somebody add it all up in all three of them. If you watch, 
you could not repeat content and just watch all of the different features and stuff like that. And it stretched to like some ridiculous, like 54 hours or something like that. Yeah, I, with like the commentaries and stuff like that, I bet. I bet. It, it's, it's fucking absurd. And I mean, f- credit to Warners for actually saying, look, there's going to be another set next year. Um, but man, again, I've been itching to rewatch the Lord of the Rings trilogy. The Hobbit trilogy, you can fuck right off. But the Lord of the Rings films, I've been itching to watch. But it's been like, wait for the like, there's gonna be a 4K. And when, it, when was the last time uh, you tried to watch those? The Lord of the Rings films. Um, yeah. it, I mean, it's 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 been a while. It would, I mean, it would have been the extended Blu-rays, but I couldn't tell you when it was. I tried to watch them about six, seven years ago. Uh, and I got halfway through the first. Bear in mind, I, I enjoyed the Lord of Rings movies. Um, so I, it wasn't like I didn't like them or anything like that. I got halfway uh, through the first um, and turned out of Bex and went, this is fucking boring. <laughs> what went, I'm bored. I'm not just like, I'm not interested. I am genuinely fucking bored. How did we sit through all of this? And like I said, I, I enjoyed them. But I realised at that point, I I haven't I hadn't actually watched any of them, not in a cinema. So that's interesting. Yeah, it was and that, that's the first time is I tried to watch that the first one and it, it it bored me. Bex watched it and then I I came in for I think the the last hour of um the third one and again I was like I, I got in I got like twenty minutes into it and went I'm gonna have to go back upstairs because I'm so fucking bored. Um, so I, 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 if people enjoy it, it's fucking great. But I could never rewatch those. It's it just, I, I, how have you watched the extended cuts? I don't know. I, I, no, I, I, yeah, and I mean to be fair, you were so disconnected with the Lord of the Rings films. So, and by the way, every single episode of Film Bastards and Dune and the Monkey is available on this feed. The Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies review is probably worth a listen, folks. <laughs> yeah. Um, as Mark had not seen either of the previous Hobbit films and then just decided to review the third one with me anyway. Yeah, and that, that, movie, that movie starts with a fucking hard cut from the last movie. Yeah, basically, yes. Um, man. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I can't remember how we got onto that tangent, actually. What were we got a coda. Coda, yes, thank you. So yeah, I you know, we'll... We'll talk about Coda in a couple of weeks, by the sounds of it. It's out in early December, isn't it? Uh, 8th of December, yes, a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, cool. Chaos Walking, what's the trailer for this? Uh, I mean, if Lionsgate are going to shit out the film that finished pr- principal photography nearly three years ago, yeah, they may as well do it during a pandemic. Yeah. It, 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 it's weird, this, isn't it? Because you look at Tom Holland and go, fucking hell, Tom Holland look young. And it's like, yeah, because it's fucking three years old. Yeah. Due out on the 22nd of January. Um, And I think it will probably keep that date, whether cinemas are open or not, Uh, quite frankly. I mean, it's an interesting concept. Um, yeah. And I'll watch Mads Mikkelsen in anything. I'm like, I'm interested in it. If it's anything more than 120 minutes long, I'll be like, forget to fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, the th- the thing is, Doug Lyman probably gave up on it 
like two years ago. So there's going to be some fucking hack editor who slashes it down to 85 minutes. Well, the weird thing is, um, I I had completely forgot this existed until about two months ago when um, I was looking at one of uh, Kurt Sutter does on um, on a Tuesday throughout lockdown. He's been doing like these things called uh, Ask Sutter. Um, or sort of talks, I think it's called, where he basically gets people to ask him questions over Instagram and um, Twitter, or they can email them in, and he just he just answers them um, out there. And so one of the questions was that somebody asked him about Chaos Walking because he's in it. Uh, and said, oh, when's it coming out? And his response was, fuck knows. You'll have to ask the studio. But I, it's buried so deep at the moment, that fucker ain't seen a light a day for years. <laughs> And then literally like two months later, it it comes out. Um, and somebody asked him about it literally last week and said, oh, apparently the trailer for Chaos Walking arrives tomorrow. <laughs> and his response to it was, shit off, no way, does it? <laughs> and they said, oh, what do you think it's like? And he's like, I don't know. It's that long ago. I can't remember. I mean... You know, we'll, uh, I'll be honest with you. If you were like... It, you know, in a normal year, I'd be like, yeah, all right, then it'll be one of the other three things I see that week. Now, oh, if you're wow. telling me <laughs> this is coming out in January, I'm, I'm, sausages mean. Give it to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next trailer, Ian, and this is the last one I think I've got, but I, yeah. The Boss Baby family business. Uh, right. So, can you explain to me what the fuck's going on? Okay, so no. <laughs> um, so it's 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 it was the last one set in the past. So right, you haven't seen the Boss Baby, have you? I have, but I honestly, I, have, yeah. I can hardly remember it. That's how much of an impact it had on me. Do you know what? I think we might have reviewed it at the time, actually. Anyway, right. So, basically, the last one, end, because I've heard various bits of the Boss Baby in the back of my fucking car for the last three or four years. Um, the first one ends with Tim having grown up, and he was telling the whole story of the Boss Baby to his daughter... I think basically to make her feel better about like impending sister. And then at the end, the sister, like, I don't know, turns around or something. And she's got a fucking suit on. So in this one, Tim has grown up. The daughter doesn't necessarily seem to be a main character here. Um, but Alec Baldwin's character comes to visit. They have a fight. And then the boss baby daughter says right i need your help you're going to turn back into kids and help me which the 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 first film made very 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 clear that this was a story he was telling his daughter to make her feel comfortable it was very clear now this isn't a story that he's telling his daughter because it's a folle a deux it's a madness shared by two. And I 
don't know what's happening. Maybe more so than I didn't know what was happening with the trailers for the first one. And long-time listeners will know that when the marketing came out for the first one, I was very perturbed. You were you you were a bit freaked out, weren't you? Didn't like it. Kill it with fire. And I'm kind of at that with this one as well, because it looks like it's actually in the reality of this world. I don't, and and just the fact that it's, I no, I just I don't like it, and also I don't. I don't get why the kid was voiced by a kid in the first one, but in this one, he's voiced by whoever's voicing him. And it's, I don't think it's Toby Maguire this time because Toby Maguire voiced him as the adults in, in the last one. It didn't sound like Toby Maguire this time. So I didn't do that. I, there, there, there's a number of questions I have with boss baby too. And I, I'm, I'm worried that each one is just going to prove more troubling than the, the, the uh, more troubling than the last. Um, it's, yeah, it's James Marsden. He's voicing Tim in this one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So, so what the fuck did Tom Maguire do to piss them off that much that they won't let him sit in a recording booth? <laughs> I mean, you know, he's an, he's an interesting fellow, is uh, Toby Maguire, isn't he? The Tobes, he is, isn't he? So, right, so. Oh, so Eva Longoria is playing the... Hang on. Right. On Google, if you Google Boss Baby Family Business, it says that James Marsden is playing Toby Maguire. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah, okay, fine. Um. Oh, yeah, and Jeff Goldblum is the villain. Yeah, because of course he is. Right. Here's the premise on Wikipedia. Right. Tim and his boss baby, little bro, Ted, have become adults and drifted away from each other. Tim is now a married dad. Ted is a hedge fund CEO. But a new boss baby with a cutting edge approach and a can do attitude is about to bring them together again and inspire a new family business. Tim and his super mum wife, Carol voiced by Eva Longoria, okay then, live in the suburbs with their super smart seven-year-old daughter, Tabitha, and super cute new infant Tina, who is voiced by Amy Sedaris. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, Tabitha is at the top of her class, the prestigious Acorn Centre for Advanced Childhood, idolises her Uncle Ted and wants to become like him, but Tim is worried that she's working too hard and is missing out on a normal childhood. When baby Tina reveals that she's a top-secret agent for Baby Corp on a mission to uncover the dark secrets behind Tabitha's school and its mysterious founder, voiced by Jeff Goldblum, it will reunite the Templeton brothers in unexpected ways, leading them to reevaluate the meaning of family and discover what truly matters. Jesus wept. Yeah, that's not it, it. It it sounds like it's gonna be oh a lot. It sounds confused. I mean, comes out in March. It's a way to welcome people back to the cinema. Oh fuck yeah! Oh, I'll go and see it. <laughs> that's that's got that's got Sunday morning written all over it. That fucker. Yeah, that's right. God, uh, that's 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 it for trailers that I've got. Uh, I just had one other our friend, which um, it's Jason Siegel, Casey Affleck, and Dakota Johnson doing an indie. I'm, I'm all right with that. Yeah, looks all right. I'll watch it on a streaming service. 
Job done, really. So, let's move on. Uh, Ian here with a quick editing note. Um, yes, this show does get somewhat edited. Um, absolutely bloody impossible to find a clip of the uh, Small Axe films online. So, uh, that's why there's no clips for them. Uh, if I can find clips in future weeks, I will. But, uh, yeah, uh, there you go. So, uh, here's Lovers Rock. Bit of a spoiler alert, actually, because I just realised I then haven't actually said what I'm doing before. Anyway, here's Lovers Rock. Let's get into the first one of the small axe films that we shall be covering this week. Now, Becky has not seen Lovers Rock yet, so uh, we will do this uh, now while Becky is uh, not here. Um, So I just need to find a cast list. Apologies for this. So, we have got Amara J. St. Aubin, Michael Ward, uh, Shaniqua uh, Okwok, uh, Ok, yep, Okwok, uh, uh, Kida Williams-Sterling, and Ellis George, among others. So, um, it's not really much of a story to this one, to be honest. Um, it, it's... I mean, it's it's essentially a bit of an art film um, about a kind of a house party. Um, so uh, the, the Small Axe films is essentially a collection of five films telling the story of uh, 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 West in uh, Indies communities uh, in um, looks to be London, basically, uh, yeah. between the uh, the 60s and the 80s. Um, so this one, um, yeah, like I say, it's centered on a house party. Um, and it kind of just follows some of the people at the house party, but focuses on a couple who kind of get together towards the uh, through the course of the night. There's uh, there's a lot of dancing. There's a lot yeah. of music and there's a lot of sweaty walls. Uh, Mark, what d- did you think about Lover's Rock? Well, like you say, it, it uh, we'll get to manga up shortly. Um it's very much like you say it's it's an art house film uh in the sense that there's not a story it's it's a um it's an early 80s um like you say um kind of hangout movie but centered around the um the, the north london um sort of the, the caribbean black community um it's I don't think it's it's trying to say too much um, other than just sort of showing a a snapshot of how uh, I think that they, that although these people were probably second generation um, British, they still sort of kept themselves sort of rooted in their um, Caribbean roots. And I, I think that that's the, it's, there's a, there's definitely something that's there. It, it's quite, it's breezy, it's floaty. It has little moments within it that that you feel like something's about to happen. It's, it's all about to kick off, but then it never really does. Um, there's a couple of moments where you go, oh fucking hell, I wasn't expecting that. That yeah, just yeah. that don't actually go anywhere. But but that's not a, a criticism of the film. It's not a. It, it should have gone somewhere with that. But that just that you think are going to be the 
lighting the touch paper and they don't. And I think that that's highly intentional. I think that that's part of it. I think that's part of creating the normality behind it all. Um, there's a moment where one of the characters, uh, a character that's come into it, um, leaves um, the, the party. Another character goes to go after it um, and runs into a group of uh, young white kids. Yeah, and so she turns around and starts walking back and she tells them to um, I think it's sort of like piss off wankers or something like that but yeah. in a very much a yeah you fucking tell them and I literally said that out loud Yeah, and then I heard something and went fucking hell and it, it, it caught me and it took me aback and I thought right and then the, the, the doorman who was fucking terrifying in fucking a glorious love that guy. way fucking love that guy yeah um, comes out and you think, right, is this where it's all going to start to kick off? And it doesn't. He just glares at them. They quite rightly shit themselves and run away. Yeah. And it, it that, the fact that that happened and the way that it's dealt with is more powerful than if it had of all kicked off. Because it, it's not trying to to show you the, the aftermath of this. It's trying to show you the life of this. That this was such a um, a normal thing for them to to get it, it, it essentially a monkey champ, and it was a fucking it shocked me. It, it genuinely did. But then the next second later, you've got just fucking groovy dancing again, which yeah. and the dancing scenes are fantastic. Um, not like in a choreographed way; they're just captivating to watch. Um, I think Steve McQueen there, sorry, Sir Steve McQueen there, is using the um, using more of his uh, photography background as much as he is his filmmaker background within that, and that's what's what's sort of so captivating about it. Um, and then at the end of it, you've definitely got I think one of the ultimate hangout movies, and I think Steve McQueen has. has has referenced a, a movie that was um, kind of inspired him to take up this story was Dazed and Confused. And I think the end of this movie, you definitely get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, was kind of cool. Uh, what, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting bit of work. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Mangrove in a bit. And um, I literally... So I, I watched Mangrove on iPlayer last night and then this auto-played after. And the, the kind of the whiplash of that is... Uh, you know is 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 something um i i i really really liked it but i kind of hope the rest of the small axe films are more like mangrove than lovers rock just because it the fact that these films are getting a sunday night at nine o'clock placement on bbc one is fucking incredible um and i i do wonder whether that would have been the case if the pandemic hadn't have happened you know because this is unlike anything that's been on like primetime bbc in lord knows how long i mean it's like an hour and 10 minute long film where surely over half of it is people dancing yeah um but and, and, and i mean i think from in a one-off kind of way that's incredible but and i i you know i did find the end like quite moving and just like 
like quite lovely you know um but i i i kind of i i like when steam mcqueen is kind of like punching me in the face yeah and this felt more like a warm hug and that's absolutely fine that's great yeah, has has Steve McQueen ever given us a warm hug? No, I mean I think you know, and I think that that's the thing, and it it it, it feel it, it's and, and it's I, both gone. Can I just interject one second? Have you ever watched an interview with Steve McQueen? Yeah, it, it, it's I saw an interview with him uh, talking about uh, widows. It's the first time I've ever seen an interview with him, and I was like, whoa, fucking hell! I wasn't expecting that at all. He's a really calm quite soft-spoken and seems sort of quite he, he seemed like quite nervous to be talking and the, the actual interviewer actually said oh you, you seem quite nervous and he went, i don't like doing this yeah and it wasn't yeah. like a like an aggressive like de niro used to say i don't like doing interviews it was more a, I just I, I this isn't my fucking comfort zone i don't like this he was being really polite and really nice and it's like i was a bit like that guy makes these films. Yeah, I mean, he 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 lets his work do do the talking. Does does Steve McQueen? It's um, you know, and I mean, look, but that's the thing. I mean, like his films so far, like Hunger, Shame, Twelve Years Slave, Widows. Mm. You know, I mean, I I, I I'm gonna rewatch Twelve Years a Slave because I think I gave it short shrift. Um, just because of how much I like his other work, and. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, may, maybe this is just kind of like the cathartic kind of thing that you, you need after Mangrove. But maybe, I, it is, maybe, maybe that's what they've done with this. Yeah. Uh, it's maybe they've gone, do you know what? We don't want to lose people. If it feels like we're hitting people over the head, um, then we might um, we might lose them. So why don't we give them a little bit of a little bit of toffee, essentially? And I, I, yeah. I don't mean that in like a demeaning way it's a fucking fine piece of fucking top plate but uh, know that a bit of levity and go look this isn't just going to be hitting you over the head or trying to sit you down this isn't a, to use an eaters and eat your vegetables every fucking sunday night for five weeks there's a bit of there's this as well yeah i i, I mean I, I i don't think mangrove is 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 all that to be to be clear you know um but it, it's uh, no i mean I, I i really really liked lovers rock i really liked it um and it, uh, it but it did feel more like an art film and, and and having fun which is absolutely fine and i don't know why i'm why i'm being such a fucking negative ne- negative bastard on having fun i just watching it straight after mangrove maybe just it wasn't quite the right time in which to be doing that well, that's um, it. I, I watched it um i watched it today uh eating brunch because i forgot to eat breakfast and it i, I didn't fancy anything for lunch so i i had it having a coffee um and um watch and, and, and eating brunch and i was like you know what this is I think I might have picked the perfect moment, one of the perfect moments to watch this movie. Sure, sure. No, yeah, I, I think that's fair. It's um, and also, I mean, like fucking hell, it's kind of like quietly filthy at points as well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like there's, there's, there's some dancing, but it's not, it's not, 
it, it's it's so subtle in everything it's doing. Yeah, yeah. I just it. I love that this played out after Strictly Come Dancing and his Dark Materials on a Sunday night on BBC One. <laughs> it's fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, it, it just it feels like the kind of thing that's not done anymore. Like Mangrove, I think does fit as like a prime time kind of like TV event. Lovers yeah. Rock feels like Steve McQueen letting loose and basically making like weirdly one of his most arty films and this, it yeah this feels like this feels like something that would have been on on a saturday night after later with jules holland yeah 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 exactly you know um steve mcqueen is in celebration of um of reggae's continuing influence uh in the afro-caribbean um london in the 80s and yeah, Joe yeah. is introducing it at the end of Flair. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really like. I mean, it's definitely not shit. Jesus Christ, it's definitely it not shit. Um, I think I'm almost saving myself for Mangrove, if I'm honest. <laughs> that, that's fine, mate. Our audience poll uh, was definitely not shit, sixty percent, uh, and touching cloth forty percent. So I think that's. I, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. I can absolutely see that. See, see why that's that's gone that way. Yeah, and I mean, th- th- this is the thing. It's like Lovers Rock will not be in my top ten of the year, but it's still a hell of a fucking film. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. I, I very much enjoyed my time with it. Will yeah. I watch it again? Probably not. But I very much enjoyed my time with it. Hey guys, Noel here. I just wanted to interrupt this movie podcast to tell you about another movie podcast you might want to add to your list. Every week, the newly rebooted Film Ramp podcast brings you a couple of casual reviews of whatever I've been watching and a little bit of chat about our beloved world of cinema. Sometimes new films, sometimes old films, very often both, but always just a little outside of the bigger mainstream release schedule. And in each episode, I also break down one item from the film news pages to offer my own thoughts and opinions in a section called Listen Up Hollywood. So, if you fancy a new, light and breezy film podcast on your listening schedule, why not give the all-new Film Ramp podcast a go? Just visit wearepodsyndicate.com or search The Film Ramp Podcast on your favourite podcast app or provider. Come on, everybody sing it! Hey, you like my voice, don't you? It's enticing. And exotic. And sexy. Well, unfortunately, I'm just a promo guy being paid to advertise a movie podcast, and I can assure you that its hosts don't sound anywhere near as classy. But don't let my superior vocal talents discourage you, and go listen to his film, Her Movie, the podcast where every episode, the hosts must each choose a film to watch and discuss that has a connection to the chosen theme of that week's show. So stop aimlessly scrolling through whatever streaming service you're on, and let his film, Her Movie, give you an idea on what to watch next. You can catch it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, okay. Let's do some uh, let's do some mangrove. Uh, so mangrove is again directed by Steve McQueen, obviously. And stars Letitia Wright. Rochenda Sandal, Sean Parks, Malachi Kirby, Jack Loudon, 
uh and uh sam sprawl as the you know just looking at that fucking pc pulley you just want to punch him oh yeah it's fucking wet (laughs) sam sprawl is 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 basically going oh so i'm playing an absolute piece of shit again (laughs) Uh, oh my god anyway um so this is the story of a community that kind of centers itself around uh, the mangrove restaurant, uh, which is run by Frank Critchlow, played by Sean Parks. Um, after a series of police raids and general police br- brutality, which seems to be kind of uh, led by PC Frank Pulley, played by Sam Sproul, uh, the mangrove nine find themselves uh, in court charged with um uh, was it disorder in a fray? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, d- disorder, but then the affray charge, literally, they don't know about it, gets read out as they're reading out the charges. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's essentially um, trying to prove their um, innocence with the help of a uh, rather uh, kind of plucky young lawyer, Ian, played by uh, Jack Loudon. Uh, so yeah, Mangrove. It was the first part of the small axe films that um, played. And uh, Mark, what do you think? It's it's really fucking good, isn't it? Mm. Um, it's. I think. I think watching it now, being a white British person who. Um, who grew up, I think, in the 80s. Um, it, and I, it, it's... It, you prickle at it quite a lot. Um, and especially with what's going on, the world we live in now. I'm not talking about coronavirus or anything like that. I'm just talking about the, the fact that hate crime has been on the rise the past few years and that um, racists seems to think that they have a... That now that they can they can get away with it a little bit more, or they've got a, a more of a platform to spew their nonsense shite, uh, and, and almost feel empowered to do that. Uh, it it feels a little bit like fucking hell, didn't we already fucking do this? Didn't we already start to get rid of this? And yeah, this kind of reminds you, you know, of how systemic. And I think that the most kind of like the the most striking bits of it um, are the bits where you get um, Sean Parks, Frank, when he's when he, he keeps answering the phone and saying, I've done that. I've tried reporting it to this, but you're not doing anything about it. And you can just see how annoyed he's getting about it and how frustrated. And it, it wraps you up in this this thing of, look. You're, if you're watching this and you're going, well, why don't they do this? Why don't they do this? Why don't you do this? Why don't they do this? Like, they can't. It's a, they, no matter what, they are on the fucking losing end. So that is why they did this. Mm-hmm. And that takes you to this. Um, and it, it's, I saw somebody um, put out a thing saying, um, oh, Mangrove is what Aaron Sorkin wished Trial of Chicago 7 was. And I'm a bit like, no, it's not. It's Drive Sky 7 is exactly what Aaron Sarkin wants it to be. But Steve McQueen wants Mangrove to be this. He wants it to be claustrophobic. He wants it to be. He wants you. To, he wants you to be watching it. That they. That the establishment 
versus nine uh, black British people. And that it's all weighted against them. They have already decided they're guilty. They've got to prove they're innocent. There's not a, um, you know, innocent until proven guilty thing. It's the opposite way around. And then once it starts fucking bouncing, it, it's really, really entertaining. Uh, I think you referenced it, and you'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a second. The, uh, the peephole bit is fantastic in the courtroom. It is absolutely brilliant and actually quite amusing and quite fun and quite lighthearted um, in its delivery. But it's so important in what it's saying. Uh, I, I, I was very taken by it. What did you think? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm pretty much there as well. I mean, I, I will say the, the the comment about the trial of the Chicago Seven is very lazy. Yes, it is. Um, you know, like you say, Sorkin. I think Sorkin is probably very, very proud of trial of the Chicago Seven. Would probably watch Mangrove and and say, I hope Sir Steve McQueen's very, very proud of what he did there. You know, I, I think both of you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You don't have to pick sides, you know, like Sorkin made the trial of the Chicago seven with the best of intents. And I don't think that film's a perfect film, but that film's got his fucking heart in the right place. Um, you know, and I, I, I think it would serve people well to remember that, you know, people do make things with the best of intentions when they're making films like this, uh, like these. Um, I honestly might sound like hyperbole, but Mangrove, is the kind of shit that they should be showing in schools. Um, um, yeah, I, 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 I'd agree with you there. Um, it, it feels like that. I, I, yeah, I, it, it's, it feels like genuinely important filmmaking, um, which um, is very, very, very focused on making clear not just the isn't racism bad but look what it's doing to these communities you know look what it's doing to these people who are just trying to live their fucking lives you know and i it, it's I, yeah I, it, I i don't know i mean I, it was even i was kind of bristling at the amount of times that like they they come say like come on you black bastard you know and things like that and it's just like and it, that happens multiple times. Mm. And then I just thought, yeah, they probably just did say that every, every single time because they don't even have the fucking intelligence to come up with anything else to say other than that. You know, it, it, it's, you know, they, these are like uh, police officers. I, know, I mean, this this Mangrove Nine was the, the verdict was the first judicial acknowledgement of, of racial hate within the police force you know and it may which is fucking mental because the amount just the amount of fucking things that the that these policemen do it, it's it's in it's incredible but i i, I in, in a bad way obviously but what one of the smartest things that i think this fucking film does is for the first half it focuses on pc pulley and like him basically being the ringleader against the mangrove community but then as the film as the film goes on into its second half pc pulley fucks off out of it all power is taken from him in that in that one um that one witness stand scene 
and then he tries to like lead the other guy is kicked out of the courtroom and then the rest of it is ba- it is then essentially almost like them against the judge as much as anything else which again is like the trial of the chicago seven don't get me wrong but the trial of chicago seven it does kind of feel like it's frank langella singularly whereas here it feels like the judge and the justice system are against them um but i like the way that you do have this boo hiss bad guy but he basically has his trousers ripped off pointed out how small a dicky he has is told to fuck off and you don't see him again yeah and i thought that was really smart so they, they, that, they deal with him in in the way that it should be in the sense that he's nothing now yeah yeah that's exact that that's exactly it and then this you know so the second after film and it you know it, it's frank teetering on the edge of like just giving up and and going look just find me guilty i just want it over with and that that kind of battle just like the 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 battle against this fucking invisible force which isn't the copper it's the fucking system you know it, it very very engaging and like i say important stuff um letitia wright is fucking incredible she gets she gets one big speech bit doesn't she mm. um which she fucking nails yeah um, yeah uh absolutely um she's she's very very good in this um but i did think that that it, when you've got a monologue that's that, that's that long because it is long it's a good few minutes yeah it, that would be the easy point where the accent might crack or the it might get too show or anything like that and it doesn't it's just perfectly delivered and it it, it, it hits at all the right points it's supposed to uh, yeah, absolutely. I, also, um, Rochenda Sandow, who played Barbara. Um, oh yeah. I, I I I thought she was great. You know, like that that oh God, that one exchange that she has with Letitia Wright, um, outside the courtroom. Oh, we're talking about the kids, yeah. Yeah, like just fucking beautiful stuff, and it it, it that fucking spirit that she has. Uh, I, I, I just thought she embodied it so well. But I mean, like Sean Parks as well. I mean, I, I think it's interesting because his his character seems to just be kind of like ruled by emotion so much, you know, like the whole kind of like he gets that he gets that money from the um, from the, the old lady. And then he's like, right, OK, we're just going to open up all the time. You know, we're just going to, you know, and he's he's properly running on pure fuck you energy then. Yeah. And then he just kind of gets it beaten out of him. But then when his faith is restored in the end, that fuck it, that one shot at the end, when all the verdicts are being read out and it's just his face, like it, it's, you know, that that's long Good Friday level of acting without saying anything, yeah. you know, just uh, you know, it, it, it I mean, it, it honestly, it, it's breathtaking and emotionally exhausting stuff but it doesn't feel like like you referenced earlier on it doesn't feel like eat your vegetables to me it, it i will happily watch mangrove again because yeah. it's engaging and it knows when to be entertaining yeah you know? I, I will i will happily uh, watch it again yeah um it's like you say it, it it's 
it's entertaining, you know. I, I think it, I don't I don't want to use a, a glib word for it, but it is entertaining the way it's telling its story. Is it keeps you engaged. Me and Bex, for instance, we, we started watching it on a Sunday night that it was on, but we didn't start watching it when it was actually on. on. Uh, we started watching it on iPlayer. And um, I'll be honest, we started watching it like 11 o'clock at night. Um, partially, I think, in the back of my mind, the intention of watching like the first half, but then watching the second half uh, the next day. And we went all the way through it. So light after one in the morning. Um, and it's just because... We were like, no, there's no point where you can actually sort of go, nah, with this, and turn it off. We were just like, no, fucking, we'll, we'll watch at the end of this. I need to know what happens now. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, there's no way I would have been able to turn this off halfway through. You know, it, it's just, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's incredible stuff. It, it's one of, if not the best film of the year for me. Um, it, it, it's going to be my, it, it will be in my top 10, I would think. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not saying just in my top ten. It will be somewhere, and it might even be quite high in my top ten. Yeah, 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 for sure. I I I need to have I I need to have more of a think about that. But it, it's it's high up there, and that's the thing. It's like with Lovers Rock, I think that is a solid four out of five for yep. me. Mangrove is as nailed on a five out of five as as you're ever likely to get. Um, I, I gave on on letterbox I gave Lovers Rock four out of five and I gave Mangrove five. Yeah, I, I it's I I think that we are rather blessed to have Sir, Sir Steve McQueen doing the stuff that he's doing and the fact we've got three more of these just yes please. Um, but also I I think the BBC do an awful lot wrong. Yeah. Um, but. The fact that they also fund things like this, and I hope that they do more like this in the future, um, is an absolute credit. You know, I mean, like two of the two of the pop culture things I've gotten most enjoyment out of over the last month or so has been these films and strictly come dancing and i like i'm i'm being serious there the fact they they've been able to do that fucking show and try and just bring some fucking warmth and happiness to people despite this all but then do work like small acts it's it's a fucking credit this is small acts feels like the kind of thing that channel 4 would be doing um, you know, it was like during like the noughties and whatnot, it kind of feels like that kind of work, like pioneering work that Channel 4 were, were doing. And for whatever reason, they don't seem to be doing as much of that anymore because people like Gogglebox. Um, whereas, you know, I, I, it just fair fucking play. And next week we've got one that's John Boyega um, playing a guy who joins the police force, hoping to try and help stop racism from the inside. And, finding out how difficult that is that sounds fucking amazing can't wait yeah that's it it's it's it, it, i think it'll ramp itself back up again for for this next one and yeah. then maybe, and then i think the next the, the two after that are probably quite inspiring stories yeah yeah uh, yeah that not much has been it, it it's interesting for like reviews and whatnot only the first three films have actually been released so far so it'd be intriguing to see what um what happens? I know one of them is called Education, which sounds like it could be 
inspiring. But um, yeah, yeah, again, definitely not shit, and one of the most definitely not shit of the year. Yeah, definitely not shit. Well, to 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 back up what you've just said there, mm. our audience poll definitely not shit, a hundred percent. Yeah, that doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't, and it's it's deserved. It it like I say, it feels like the kind of stuff that you know I. I, when I was in school, I remember being shown fucking um, Freds, you know, um, and it feels like Mangrove could have that kind of mantle. Uh, I remember being shown Let Him Have It, the um, Peter Mandek, um, Chris Freckleston movie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was um, hung in the, in the UK. It, it, it feels of that level. Um, yeah, I was remembering Sean Polanski's Macbeth. Oh blimey, Charlie! Yeah, just that one shot of Sean Parks where he's chucked in that cell and he's oh, just kicking the door and screaming. It's a wonderful shot, that. Uh, it's, 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 it's incredible acting as well in that. It, it, it just the the, the 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 fact that he knows it's, it, it's it's impotent rage, but he he can't help it at that point. But that's that's the thing that kind of seems to break him as well. Mm. Like that yeah. whole, I am kicking out this door and can't do anything. I just need to scream. And now I'm exhausted. Mm. You know, it, it's. Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah. OK, let's move on to some what we excuse me, been watching. Uh, Mark, what have you got for us this week, sir? Uh, got a few, actually. Uh, I, I rewatched the first Jackass movie. Nice. Why not? Um, incredibly silly. Um, no fucking way. That, I mean, they're, they're on about doing another one, aren't they? Within the next 18 yeah. months. Yeah. Um, it's. It feels like something that could only have happened at this this moment. It was like the perfect storm of everything, of, of everything that was going on. And it is incredibly silly, but also it's kind of sweet when you go back and look at it. Because mm. it's just these, this group of friends just hanging around being dicks to each other. But none of it feels mean-spirited. It all feels like, like quite fun and quite nice. And like they aren't quite aware of, 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 of the just the utter ridiculousness of it all like even if there wasn't a camera there they'd probably still be doing a lot of this stuff <laughs> but like it's it's they're just very very silly you in the room Bex? no you are in the room mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey Bex, you're right. hey, yeah not too bad you yeah the bits that i've watched solo and then you can Join in with the bits that you think you've covered so well. Doctor Who. That will let's not talk about you. But your thoughts on Mangrove. Kaya. Uh what else did I watch on my own? Uh I've only got one more actually that I watched on my own. Um I rewatched Mighty Ducks, which I spoke about before, but just because I was doing some I was actually I was taking apart the vacuum cleaner because it is broken, hasn't it? Or the head of it is broken. So I've taken that apart and cleaned that. So I've put on Mighty Ducks in the background to kind of have something to keep me company with. Um, and often when I'm doing stuff like that, it, it is the film Mighty Ducks because it's fucking, it's just, it's a nice warm hug of a movie. Um, and then, yeah, 
that's what I've been, we've been watching together. What was your thought from Mangrove first? Oh, it's a long time ago, it's Mangrove. Um, it's very good, isn't it? I think, I don't know, it, it's one where there's a natural kind of temptation to compare it to Chicago 7. Which, yeah, we, we talked about, yeah. And I think, to be perfectly honest with you, it is probably the stronger movie. Mm. Um, just because you get more backstory of the characters, like, it's not just about the trial with flashbacks. It's about what happened before and then the trial. It, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the background to it is more fleshed out. Um, and I think, I don't know, the, it didn't feel as movie as Chicago 7 did. It, didn't, it felt more human and it felt more real. Um, and the ending when they're reading out all the verdicts and stuff and he's just it's just focusing on him oh, Frank, yeah yeah and it's just like it just like closes in on his face doesn't it the shot yeah um i, I just think it's very strong and I, I think it it better um i don't know i I, th- I feel like it just it means more the vietnam war obviously there was a lot of strong feelings about it but this is about Society. them being oppressed it's them fighting about them and their community being oppressed as opposed to a lot of unwashed students protesting the vietnam war <laughs> yeah, yeah you know it's, yeah. it's more it means more to them it's a higher state it's an everyday yeah. life thing rather than something that they are technically experiencing and i think the bit where um i can't remember her character's name but leticia right um <sighs> when she is saying you know it's it's not it's not just about us and it's not just about our community it's about everybody's right to protest and i think i think that's really kind of you know it, it, it is if if that trial had gone a different way you know who knows what kind of precedence that would have set oh yeah so yeah really liked it a bit gutted i've missed lovers rock but oh it's on iplay it's on iplay if you want to catch it yeah is it, 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 it it's a bit dithery in it? it's good but it, it's very it, 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 it's very different from fucking mangrove. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's it's very different. Um, so what we've been watching going back to you, I'll let you talk. We talked for for a bit, so you can cover. I've only just sat down, so I, I don't I don't need to. I'll just I'll just pipe in. So we watched <laughs> um, we watched the 1986 uh, Peter uh, Markle movie Young Blood. Yeah, this was a weird one. <laughs> What's that now then? This it's is... an ice hockey movie. Oh, okay. it, so, so I'll, I'll read out. What it, what it, so it's yeah, it stars. It's teenage Mark Nip. Yeah, okay. It, it was a VHS classic, a rental, a rental frequent, a rental frequental. A rental frequental. Yeah. Uh, starred Rob Lowe, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cynthia Gibb and uh, Keanu Reeves is in it very briefly. Um, so, Rob Lowe is a um, 17 year old um, ice hockey player who essentially gets um, gets drafted by uh, into the Canadian um, National Hockey League. I mean, he doesn't get drafted. It's not like the army. It's not like the army. He no. gets invited. He's invited to try it, out. Yeah. And it's and it's it's like an entry. Um, it's seen as like an entry place into the pros, into the NHL, isn't it? It's to get into the junior league so that you can get into the pro league. Yeah. yeah. So it's from there. Um, 
and so he, he's away from his family for the first time and he's a little bit wet behind the ears isn't he um i mean rob Lowe as a young actor always looks like he's a bit wet behind but the, ears. the bad thing is the whole crux of the story is that he's a really really good hockey player but he doesn't know how to fight and so the whole crux of the story is him having a fight at the end. Hang on, so what, it's like the opposite of Goon? Sorry. Yeah, it, it basically is, yeah. It, it, it's, he can do all of the ice hockey bits. He's not, like, afraid of having a fight or anything like that. He just doesn't know how to do it. Doesn't know how to fight on the ice. So That's what it is. So that, that's it. So, what? Isn't the bad guy, what's his name? I don't know. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoyed rewatching it. What did you think, Bex? <laughs> yeah, it's good, yeah. His older brother's hot. Yep. So his older brother is hot. I mean, it's 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 one of those films, isn't it? It's it's, it's a film very much kind of of its time, of the, the, the sport movie, and there's the coach, and he ends up dating this girl, and she turns out to be the coach's daughter, and oh, dearie me. And yeah. it. It's very sort of formulaic in that way. I oh, fuck you. <laughs> um, but it's good. We rewatched Ocean's good. 8. Yeah, we did. Didn't we? Nice. Um, holds up. It's really entertaining. It's a lot of fun. Um, I do think... Mark took issue with the soundtrack. Yeah. I, I think the fact that they the soundtrack is all modern music uh, and feels... Almost dates it, I think, a little bit. Kids with their modern music. Um, makes it already feel like it's like it's the little sister of the Big Brother movies. And it's the thing is, out of the Oceans movies, it's probably the second best movie. It is very good. Um, and it's really entertaining. And it, it's a shame that we don't get more capers featuring these guys because. They're an awful lot of fun to spend time with. What are? Capers. Capers. Yeah. Uh-huh. What? No. It is. But it, it, it does feel a little bit... The heist feels a little bit underwritten. It feels a touch watered down, doesn't it? It feels a little bit. bit... Yeah, it, it feels a little bit like... Oh, come on. It's fun. It, I, it's fun when it turns out Anne Hathaway's in on it, though, eh? That, that's fun, yeah. I thought that came in earlier than it did. Hmm. And then... I completely forgot James Corden was in it. And when he turned up, I think my brain went, oh, fuck off. Just, just your... fuck off. It wasn't just your brain. Did I say it out loud? Yeah, you did. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> nice. nice. Yes. Yeah. But I am gutted that we haven't got more of these and that we probably won't get more of these because it was an awful lot of fucking fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another film that's an awful lot of fun. We watched The Wedding Singer, didn't we? Yeah, we did, yeah. And that's just an awful lot of fun. What said too much about it because we've got other bits to do. It's it is odd though. What? The Adam Sandler thing. That he went from being this Adam Sandler to this was a kingmaker. This this is what made him. Mm. Was was wedding singer. It, it took him from being that guy who had done a few bits that, that, at post Saturday Night Live to being yeah what Adam Sandler has become. So what you're saying is we should hate the wedding singer. No, we should love the wedding singer because without the wedding singer, there's no Hubie Halloween. Mm. So there you go. Uh, we rewatched uh, American Beauty. 
think we talked about that last week. No, because we watched it after, so we couldn't. We said we were going to watch it, yeah. and we did. I'm sure we talked about it already. Did I dream that? Yeah, it must have been. He, uh, yeah. he, he likes that plastic bag, doesn't he? Ah, fucking does, don't I? <laughs> we'll watch it going, going, watch it going. How at the time did this seem like it was really deep? And what is it when it's as wanky as this? <laughs> mm. You're talking about it's a beautiful video he shot. It's just a plastic fucking bag. All floaty and shit. Yeah. Um, there's an oddness to American Beauty in the sense that. Everyone was absolutely fucking wanking over this movie when it, it came was, out. It wasn't. Everyone was... Yeah, was it was the masterpiece of ever seen yeah. ever. And you watch it now and you're like, it's fine. It's fine. It's problematic, at points. Problematic. And not just because of Kevin Spacey, but partially because of the fact that there's a... There's a boob shot of a 17-year-old girl for no fucking reason. Was she, was she 17? 17 oh, at the yeah, time, you yeah. Said, yeah. Um, which just feels a little bit like... I mean, that's a, a, a year over the legal age of consent. Uh, actually, no, she had to take consent from her parents. Um, what America is because 18, it's, isn't it? No, it's not about consent. It's about um, child pornography uh, laws. Mm, that is. Yeah, so, you, you know, you can fuck at 16, but you can't have a... You can't come at 16, sorry. So that's so that, so that's that. But yeah, it's space is really fucking good in it, yeah, and yeah. Benning's really fucking good in it. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it it, it doesn't hold up. No, no, uh, it doesn't. The performances do. Performances the do, but the film doesn't. No, uh, and it's. I mean, it's it's twenty one years ago. Mm. But even going back and looking at it there, you look at it and go, the the bits within it seem dated then. Never mind mm. now. The attitudes. But then again, the attitudes seem to be coming back on Vogue again, yeah, uh, which is terrible. I forgot about the whole Chris Cooper bit. Did you? I didn't. Mm. Yeah. He he feels like a caricature in the movie. Mm. But I don't know what he did at the time. I totally didn't realise that was Alison Johnny that played his mum. Yeah. Yeah. 21 years later, she looks better now than she did then. Yeah. Um, we watched Mad Max Fury Road, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Because of the game, really, wasn't it? Possibly, yeah. It's fucking brilliant, isn't it? It's still an absolute, how the fuck did they do this? Yeah. (laughs) I think it's a weird one, though, because the... uh, the, Arguably, the central performance is... um, What's her face? That's the one. Um, And I think because she is so central, there's bits that you miss on first watch of, like... Little, little facial acting bits that like Harvey does and stuff like that and, and how good Nicholas Holt actually is in it as well as the um the war boy. Yeah. I think there's little bits that you that you maybe miss that when you watch it again and you're not as engrossed on Furiosa that you, you kind of pick up on more. Some of, some of Tom Hardy's facial expressions when he's strapped to the front of that car are amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's looking, he, it's it, it, I just think it, it fits the tone that George Miller is going for so spectacularly yeah. well. Uh, it, it is just as a sheer technical achievement that is relying on old school filmmaking mm. mixed with uh, new techniques. Mm. It's phenomenal. And the fact that so much of it is practical effects mm. is just wonderful. And, and I, you can tell because it has texture. It was, it was fun for us as well because like, as a bit of a sidebar, the game obviously came around around the same time yeah. as this. And mm. 
often the the games that you get as like freebie games on the what's it called PlayStation Plus PlayStation Plus are a bit naff. Um, but but Mad Max is really good. But like watching the kind of film and then going, oh my god, that car's in the game. Oh my god, it looks exactly the same. And those people look the same. And those people with the gas masks on are in there. And it's it's kind of cool how they've pulled so many elements of the movie oh, into it. it. it they've tried to despite it having same. a completely different main character and story. They tried to say the same mythology, the, the, like the visual styles mm. similar, is it? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, first watch, we watched uh, a one we hovered over for a while, uh, White Boy Rick. Well, it always looked like it was really serious. Yeah. And then we actually were like, hang on, let's watch the trailer. And it didn't look that serious. So we were like, fuck it, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. 15-year-old um, drug dealer, why not? Yeah. So Matthew McConaughey, um, Jennifer Jason Lee, um, your boy Brian Tyree Henry's in there. Fuck! Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, Rory Cochran looking like shit. <laughs> um, and Eddie Marsden. <laughs> Martha. Yeah. Um, and Bruce Stern. And Bruce Stern's in there, yeah. Um, and Eddie Marsden in a role where you go, hang on a minute, it's not Eddie Marsden. <laughs> <laughs> you actually forgot the kid that plays Rick. Yeah, I did actually, didn't I? Yeah. Richie Merritt. Richie Merritt. Uh, and he's really quite good, isn't he? Mm. But it's... To say it's about the one of the youngest ever king drug kingpins um, and FBI informants, and it's like a notorious story in the fact that the kid was um, in jail for like thirty years. Mm. Um, was that eighteen? He went in. He's seventeen when he went 17. in. Um, and he was only released like a few years ago. Mm. Um, it's. It's fun without being flashy, and it's it, it's told like a neighbourhood story. But it's fun. It's fun without being silly. Yeah. But it's it gets across all the kind of the seriousness of it without being too serious. It's not like it's not hard work at all, is it? No, and it because it, essentially it, it's about he's it, called White Boy, referred to as White Boy Rick because he he's called Rick and he's white. Well, he, he's moving around selling. Um, cocaine but he's selling it to the within the black community he's very much in the black community in detroit um and so he's kind of folded up into that kind of gang and then when all that collapses he just decides to do it on his own it's a it's a bit it's not overly entertaining but it's it's a it's a good watch is what i would say it's entertaining in the sense that it's interesting yeah yeah i'd say that <laughs> uh, and then the last couple we've got here uh, before we we, we we let you speak for a little bit that we, uh, watched, that we watched last night didn't we? we we did double bill the first two Fifty Shades <laughs> movies didn't we <laughs> yes we did <laughs> well because well. to watch the first one on its own you'd, you'd, you'd leave a bad taste in your mouth wouldn't it whereas if you go straight into the second one it gets fun straight away it does yeah um, I mean I like these movies. There is some kinky fuckery. There's some kinky fuckery. Um, there's some contract negotiation. There's some contract negotiation, which <laughs> is a fucking great scene, which is probably the one great scene in the first one. I enjoyed the first one. I enjoyed the first one more than I remember enjoying um, it. But I think it's because I have number two and number three, and I have that relationship that they have there, mm. that the first one 
you can pick up different things. And and the thing is, I like I like Sam Taylor Johnson um, as a filmmaker, mm. but I think she was very wrong for this film. Mm. In the fact that she's trying to, I said this to you yesterday. It was she's trying to take a, a trashy series of books that were popular because they were trashy, and trying to make it something not trashy. No. Let them be trashy. Let yeah. them let them fucking bask and bathe and luxuriate in their utter trashiness. The books to read on the beach, they need to be movies in the same vein. Yes. Um, and so that, I think, is the problem with the first movie, is you're not giving the audience what it wants. You're trying to make it too serious. And then, even with the music, you've got that Beyonce crazy in love, that slowed down, almost <laughs> fucking dirty version of it but you're going yeah but it's still Beyonce crazy in love yeah and then they go the the weird thing is though there's so little chemistry between them two yeah because because they didn't like each other during that one but then the second one starts and it's immediately better yeah it is if you back to back them it's really weird because they've gone hey James come over here do you want to do this this is what you fucking do with it and James Paul is gone we're gonna have some fucking fun with this shit (laughs) No, no I don't want the misery of it all I want fucking just fucking come piss. flying all over the yeah. place. I want, I want that that thing we saw you doing that pommel horse. I want that as the central part of my movie. We want you to go away from this movie thinking, does that housekeeper have to wipe up all the cum in that room? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, not only that, we we want you to know that she fucking knows what goes on <laughs> and she likes it. <laughs> Jamie gets a haircut. And Jamie gets a haircut and, and, and instantly looks fucking hotter. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's This one is, is a lot more fun. I still want something to explain to me the Chronicles of Riddick poster. I mean, that's his childhood room. He's allowed to like Chronicles of Riddick. I'm fine, I like Chronicles of Riddick. I, want, I just want somebody to go, this is why we chose the Chronicles of Riddick. Look, look because Christian Grey... The Venn diagram of his horniness. On one side is Vin Diesel, on the other is Judy Dench. Boom. Chronicle of Riddick. It made that, him the man he is. Dakota Johnson. And I'm fine with that. Dakota Johnson is not the, the midpoint between Vin Diesel and Judy fucking Dench. Somehow she is. For Christian Grey, she... Yes. It, it is. It makes sense because he's 50 shades of fucked up, Becky. He is 50, he is 50 shades of fucked up. It's uh, it, it's a lot of fun and it's trashy and it, it's I love it's the ending as well. The way that it ends on that guy just stood over the other side of the lake yep. watching the fireworks with all like just, for some reason like ash all over his face despite the fact that he's nowhere near any fire. Just the absolute you, you look at him and go, I, I'm going. So we know he's gone wrong. I'm going. Oh, you're a piece of shit. You are. <laughs> I don't fucking like you. I was genuinely gutted when it finished last night. <laughs> if it hadn't been as late as it was, if it hadn't been one in the morning or whatever it was, we'd have watched the third one. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, I had a great time with these movies, and I, 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 my thing from is, do you know what? Let people enjoy them and stop being miserable bastards. I could do with less naked Dakota Johnson, though. I could do with more naked Dakota Johnson and more naked Jamie Dornan. I'm fine with naked Jamie Dornan. I just don't want to be made to feel inadequate by Dakota Johnson. I don't, I don't think any... If I'm made to feel inadequate about pommel horses, then fuck it. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I looked at pommel horse and went, I could learn how to do that. And then the back of my brain went, no, you couldn't, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
think I think he's got wires on his legs. No, he doesn't have wires on his legs. Stop fucking destroying the moment, Rebecca. I need him to prove that he can do it. Then in the same way that I think like, he did. That Zephron did. On... I think he doesn't let them. We're gonna have to find that. Oh, I'll try and find it for you. All right. So that's that 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 that's everything we watched apart from the film we're gonna talk about at the end of what we've been watching. What a fucking yeah. journey that was. That was fun. <laughs> I did watch a film on my own. Oh, what? I watched I this. And you yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Um, I watched Steel Magnolias. Blimey. All right. Well, I wanted to see, because I remember watching It and Beaches <laughs> around about the same time and them both being really sad. So I was going to have like a battle royale of sad movies and then I watched <laughs> Steel Magnolias and it wasn't that sad. And so then I decided not to bother. Um, but I remember Steel Magnolias being shit, which, I mean, it is kind of shit but i didn't appreciate watching it as a younger female person how fucking good sally field in it is in it as the mum um the scene at the funeral where she's um where she's talking about a dying and getting all sad and shouting and stuff is is really really fucking good um but yeah apart from that it's bobbins uh, I, I, i've never seen steel magnolias oh apologies there's a funeral. Do you know what it's about, vaguely? Uh, kind of, yeah. I, I, I don't think I'm that bothered about it, if I'm honest. No. Yeah. It, it's very much more a film for girls. All right. I would okay. say. Sexist. I think, I think, I mean, I found it pretty boring. It's all about like female relationships and stuff. Dolly Parton's fucking good in it, though. She's good fun in it. I was just saying to Ian, Sally Field, um, the scene with her after the funeral is really, really strong. Well, Sally Field's very good. Yeah. It's just weird because I remember it as being absolute shite, but sad. <laughs> but it wasn't sad, and it, it wasn't the shite I remembered because Dolly Parton and Sally Field served it. And the bookie neighbour. She's funny. And the dad's quite funny. In fact, everything apart from Julia Roberts is alright in it. She's just boring. She's a really boring character. So, yeah. Very good. Very good. So, I watched a few things. Um, I watched... Now, I've got to apologise, because I said I was going to watch all of the Netflix Christmas Universe films. You did. And I, 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 I didn't. I'm only one away, though. So, on Friday night, Donna and I went out for dinner had multiple drinks and then came home, had more drinks and watched the princess switch. Left us a little voice memo. Did I? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. Yeah, go on. Uh... (laughs) I can't believe you don't remember the thing. Did I really? Hang on, let me let me listen to it, make sure there's nothing incriminating on there. First. I'm sure there isn't. I can always chop it out. So, so Becky's just listening to it in the other room, and then she'll come back through to make sure that there's nothing like she says incriminating in there. She's giggling. So, uh-huh. <laughs> this could be quite amusing. Yeah, this would have been pretty fucking late on Friday night. I think it was quite late. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. She said, it's fine. Go, go back there. Guys, remember uh, 
to remind me to talk about the Netflix cinematic Christmas universe on the next show. We're going to fucking explore some deep, deep shit. <laughs> I think Donna might have to help. What do you think, Don? What? You're going to make it seem like you're not here. You fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, wow. Um, well, God, I wonder how that conversation went after. <laughs> I just love the idea of her just pretending she's not there and you're mental. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I 100% she was there, I, I, I promise. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this is, this is a fascinating chain of events this and i want to try and pull up netflix christmas cinematic universe is a google term okay great so this is a radio times article the netflix holiday movie universe explained Posting an intricate diagram on Twitter, Netflix spoke about its new Christmas rom-com sequel, The Princess Switch Switched Again. I'll be talking about that next week. In which the lead characters from, oh shit, from the A Christmas Prince franchise are spotted in the audience at a coronation. <gasps> wow. That's cool. I didn't know this. Sorry. Um, so, oh shit. Oh, there's more that I haven't seen. So, A Christmas Prince which is uh, a trilogy is on a TV in the holiday calendar. Christmas inheritance is on a TV in the holiday calendar and also the princess switch. The princess switch is referenced in the third installment of a Christmas prince and a Christmas prince is on a TV in the princess switch. Now the land in which a Christmas prince is set Aldovia is mentioned in the night before christmas and that is on a tv in holiday in the wild now the thing is right the night before christmas was vanessa hudgens falling in love with a time traveling knight right i watched that last year now vanessa hudgens is also in the princess switch films so the princess switch is basically the netflix algorithm having a stroke um where it's basically i will get child actor from disney franchise people like bake off people like parent trap smush 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 princess switch that's essentially what the algorithm is doing um so basically Vanessa Hudgens plays a baker who travels to a place to attend a baking contest where the princess of that land looks like her and wants to swap to experience being a normal person and wouldn't you know it both of them fall in love while being switched it's incredible it sounds it it's um absolutely fair to drink uh to drink while drinking to watch while drinking um 
the baking aspects literally feel like it was just Netflix going people like baking competitions. Um, and I'm really looking forward to watching the princess switch switched again. Which is uh, which is on Netflix now, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, I will talk about it next week. I like Netflix Christmas films because all they want to do is be fucking stupid and entertain you. And every single one of them seems to be made by a company called the Motion Picture Corporation of America. And I admire their ambition. What a name. The Motion Picture Corporation of America. Um, so that's the Princess Switch. Um, I also watched Nora Ephron's Bewitched. You guys ever seen this? Yes. This film's fucking mental. It is a bit mad, isn't it? In what world does a Bewitched film get made where it's not an adaptation of Bewitched, but is instead a meta look at people trying to revive Bewitched and they accidentally cast a real witch? <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it. Will Ferrell shouts. It, it, Will Ferrell does, does kind of like version of a straight man, but Will Ferrell version of straight man confused. I don't yeah. remember it at all. I know I've seen it, but I don't remember it. Yeah, so it, it's basically um, Will Ferrell plays a, an actor who kind of appears to be on the outs a little bit, and he's agreed to star as Darren in uh, a TV re, uh, remake of Bewitched. Um, he spots Nicole Kidman's character uh, in a bookshop one day and wants to cast her in Bewitched. But wouldn't you know it, she is actually a witch. Um, and yeah, it's fucking bizarre. It's so weird. Um, it's like, I don't know whether Will Ferrell's supposed to be charming or not. I'm not entirely sure the film knows. Uh Nicole Kidman's charming, and I, I didn't think she was awful in it. I mean, she she plays a character who essentially appears to have a head injury throughout the entire thing because she just doesn't understand the world. Uh, but Michael Caine's her dad, and he's a warlock, and that's quite fun. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, everything you say is like... It's like if people haven't seen this, they'll be going, are you making this up, Ian? But no, this no. is bewitched. No, I'm not. It's on Netflix in the UK. Watch it. See it for yourself. Um, yeah, I, I I, don't know. I mean, like, it's ropey, but shit, we've got to watch Hillbilly Elegy for next week, and I've got a feeling I'm going to wish, wish I was watching Bewitched again. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um... Last off for me this week, um, I'll, I'll, I'll do some brief thoughts on Mank, um, but I do just want to touch on my first visit to the Everyman in Cardiff. Uh, went there with a listener of the show and work colleague, Paul. Um, <coughs> hello, Paul. Hi, Paul. I, <laughs> I'm talking to you and I'm also looking at you. Look behind you. Um so the everyman in cardiff is fucking lovely my word um cost like 15 pound for the ticket which you know it is what it is 
But fucking hell, it's comfy. Oh, I basically just sat on a sofa. <laughs> and I had a cushion behind me, which was really nice for my back. Um, the table service in the in there during the trailers was a bit fucking hell wow we just watching people have their orders but one of the, the fringe benefits of that there were no ads but there must have been about 10 or 11 trailers nice. like it was like 20 25 minutes of trailers and that was great i really enjoyed that and then before the film started, uh, a lady came out and was like, I'm blah, blah, blah. Welcome to our uh, showing of Mank. I hope you're all doing well. Just to let you like with the social distancing and whatnot. It's not that many people in here at the moment. So as long as you keep the two meters apart, if you want to move around, do do feel free. You know, it, it's fine. Um if you've got any concerns about anything, I'm out at the bar. Please do feel free to have a word. Um, you know, and just that whole, I don't know. It kind of, it felt like a nice, and I don't know whether all the everymans do that, but it felt like a very nice kind of premium service where, you know, if I'm paying a tenner, a £12 to go to the Odeon, that's literally a five minute walk away, pay a few more quid and have an experience like that with the fucking seats like the fucking comfiness i had i'll i'll, I'll say the comfiness you know um the, the the like paul and i had a coffee beforehand and the 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 the, the music the place was playing was fucking lovely they had some um you know I'm, I'm i'm in the pocket for this a little bit they but they had some wes anderson-y type soundtrack stuff going on which i really enjoyed um yeah i could not say i could not be happier with the experience that i had there it was a, a, a really really nice few hours uh with regards to mank um so this is david fincher's latest um gary oldman stars as uh, herman j mankiewicz who's um drafted by orson wells played by it played in this by tom burke to write citizen kane um and it it switches between him writing uh citizen kane uh with the help of uh lily collins uh who's kind of like nursing him back to health after an accident and uh flashes back to his uh times in the industry dealing with louis b mayer and uh, uh william randolph hearst played by uh, charles dance uh who was who inspired citizen kane um so we'll talk we'll talk about this more fully in a couple of weeks um i will say you know just almost in a way of maybe uh, you know setting expectations in which case people might enjoy it more um i don't think it's finch's best um i can think of several finches that i like more than mank but it's fincher so that's a pretty fucking high bar um it is a very, very, very entertaining couple of hours. Um, the the look and the feel is spot on. You'd never tell this was a Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross score. And that's fine. It, it's very of a piece. Um, there's 
there's an awful lot of things that it seems to want to do in the time that it's got to do them in. Um, and it kind it does kind of come together at the end. And I wonder whether a second viewing will help with that. Um, but it, yeah, the, it, it's, it, it, it feels quite loosey goosey. It feels a little indulgent, which is interesting because Benjamin Button was um, Finch's previous kind of like most personal work. This was had a screenplay written by his late father. There's obviously been some more modern work done done to it. There's some fake news kind of stuff going on in it, which is actually quite interesting. Um, but yeah, it 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 it, it, it feels quite indulgent in that respect but not not to the extent that it, it feels long it was actually quite a swift two hours ten minutes or so um but it didn't quite have the you know the the tight drum that a lot of finch's work has um and it is it is entertaining but it also feels like you maybe need to do a little bit of homework about the studio system in the 1930s to really get the most out of it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in a, in, in a couple of weeks time. I'm intrigued to see what you guys think on a first view. I'm intrigued to see what I think of it on a second view, quite frankly, just going to say night night to Lottie. All right, honey. Love you. And, um, yeah, that, that that that's it with Mank. But like I was saying to you, Mark, in the um, the pre-show for the patrons, if you guys get to get a chance to go see it on the big screen when uh, the cinemas do reopen, do 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 it. It's worth it. Certainly will do. Nice one. That wasn't too spoilery or anything, was it? Nope. Okay, cool. Oh, and uh, I, I will just say as well, Amanda Seyfried, best supporting actress. D- I'd be surprised. I'd, I'd be surprised if she did enough in this film to get a best actress nomination, but best supporting actress, fucking strong contender. She's very good in this. Very good. Um, and Gary Oldman's good, but he already won an Oscar a few years back in Chadwick Boseman is going to win best actor next year. So it's a done deal. Um, so. Buongiorno. Signore in piacere. Gli amici della vedetta ammirata da tutti noi questa gemma propria della nostra cultura saranno naturalmente accolti sotto la mia protezione per la durata del loro soggiorno. Grazie. Corlomi? Lo pronuncio correttamente? Uh, sì, uh, corretto. Gorlomi? Per cortesia, me lo ripeti ancora. Gorlomi. Mi scusi con me? Gorlami. Ancora una volta. Gorlami. Come si chiama lei? Antonio Margarete. Ancora? Margarete. Un'altra volta, ma adesso vorrei proprio sentire la musica delle parole. Margarete. Margarete. E lei? Dominic de Coco. Come? Dominic de Coco. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> Let's move on to the next part of our mini Tarantino retrospective. Don't really know how long this is going to last because it wasn't really planned. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's fun. 
so this is 2009's Inglorious Bastards, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, um, starring Brad Pitt, Christoph Waltz. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ, you know Inglorious Bastards. Um, so it'd been a good long while since I had seen this. I will say before we get started, not happy with the iTunes version at all. Do you know why? Why? The chapter cards. It's just yeah. a blank screen and subtitles. It's not like the yellow text on the screen. I can't imagine Tarantino would be very happy about that. What did we watch? Did we watch our disc of it? No, we watched it on Prime. Because oh. ours was yellow, wasn't it? Yeah. I watched it on iTunes. And it was subtitles for those. How weird. Yeah. That is odd. Yeah, really odd. And yeah, again, it's another one of those things where it's like uh, digital viewing is not all that, you know. I still remember the fucking prestige on Amazon Prime being in the wrong aspect ratio and I had to rent the fucker. Yeah, (laughs) it is, isn't it? Uh, There was something else we had recently uh, in the wrong aspect ratio. And they're confidential when we watched that. Yeah, it was, yeah. No, it wasn't. Is that your dog, Ian? Yep. How big is she now? She sounds like a big dog. She's... Yeah, yeah, she's a dog. She's not a puppy. Yeah, uh, Ian, uh, on Prime, LA Confidential is also in the wrong aspect ratio. It's fucking disgusting. Like... (laughs) Right, the dog's in here with me now. Who was she shouting at? I think Lottie, because she'd gone to bed. I think, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Anyway, <laughs> um, right, you pissed Mummy off then, didn't you? Didn't you, eh? Yeah, you did. You bloody know you did as well. Anyway, sorry about that. So, um, Becky, what what's your history with Inglorious Bastards? Like, what were, what were your thoughts kind of like pre this watch? Um. I've... I really liked it on first watch. I've never been as hot on it as um, a lot of Tarantino's other stuff. But there's other stuff that I've not been super keen on on first watch that I've then liked more on rewatch. There's certain issues that I have with some of the performances. um, Specifically, probably Brad Pitt's. I think his... The whole face slash voice thing that he's doing throughout it feels a bit pantomime to me um and it kind of it, i found it off-putting um i mean the re- the rewatch of it, it it hasn't really changed my mind on it um from what i previously thought i like it I'm not going to sit here and say that by any stretch of the imagination, it's a bad film. It's a very good film, but it is one of his weakest for me. That's that, interesting. I, I, I think that that's kind of echoed by yourself, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very similar to that. I, the thing is, it's still a, it's still a four and a half, five star movie. Mm. Um, but there's a little part of me that now, that, that, that wishes that this was made by Quentin Tarantino now rather than Quentin Tarantino 
then. Yeah, I think it would have been a better movie. Um, it wouldn't have had fucking Eli Roth in it. But that and there, there lies my issues with it. Is it's it, it still feels a little bit like, and I was I was talking to you about effects. Is, is that Tarantino had this thing where it, it, he was he was hot shit, mm. like fucking rock star hot fucking shit. He had a lot of sycophants and hangers on, didn't he? And he and he made. Where's my dogs? Pulp Fiction, and then he made um, Jackie Brown, and Jackie Brown was is now regarded by many as as possibly being one of his better films. But at the time, awesome. it was um, it was critically panned, and it was a commercial failure. And he hadn't he, he didn't take that very well. And then off the back of that, he did the Kill Bill movies, and they did Grindhouse as part of it, Death Proof, and he just. This was after that, and it seemed to be he saw a lot of the like the, the those people around him, um, and they get cast in the movie, and they're not very good. Eli Roth is fun, but he's not a good actor at all. No, you know? and the thing is, if you're gonna if you're gonna cast someone to be the super threatening, really scary bear Jew, get someone that doesn't look like they're about to cry the thing is about that i, I get it because it, 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 it's the coming out of <laughs> what is it thing and that is great and I, i'm like I, I watch it going i'm, I'm enjoying this I, I get it i get it and then he starts talking and you go oh the <laughs> air has come out of the balloon a little bit it, 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 it's when he smacks the guy on the head and he's like teddy fucking ball game yeah. you know, it's, <laughs> and it's like oh, you watch it going oh my god it, it's you that and then you know Omar Doom who is just his mate with a weird face <laughs> it it just there's little bits like that that just kind of take me out of it a, a little bit and I, I, again I, I'm nitpicking because there's also fantastic bits in it um, you know the the whole sequence of um you know, a, 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 the Bowie song over the top of it and the hatching of the plan is is, is fantastic. Um, and the opening scene is magnificent. And Christoph Waltz for 95% of the his performance is is just impeccable and a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, one thing you've got to thank Inglorious Bastards for is it, it gave us Christoph Waltz in Django. Yeah, and I think he's, he's, he's better in Django than this. Mm. The thing is... I, I really like it. I think it's a really good film. But I think it's possibly um, the most... I think it's the closest Tarantino has got to making a comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that, that's, that's my thing with it. Mm. I, think, I think this actually might be a comedy. <laughs> the bit where they're at the fucking premiere and they're pretending to be Italian is hilarious. I love that bit. It is, and and people would would argue and say, yeah, but Omar Doom and um, and Ilaroth play that really well. And I, I my issue with that is I don't think that's by design. I think that's completely by accident that they ha- that it happens to sit well with that. I don't know the bit where he's where he's asking him to say the name over and over again, and he's doing the margarita bit, and then he asks. Um, the other guy and he's just like 
dominate the Coco, and he's like, yep, fine, because he doesn't do it in, like, over-the-top way. Yeah, it's like twice. It's just very, yeah, and he's like, oh, very good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he's fine that. I think, I, I do think that you know, off there, it's too much for me. Yeah. And it just feels a little bit like... Well, that's how I feel about Brad Pitt's performance throughout most of it. I think I enough. find it too much. It's too caricature The thing is, it it's still a very, very, very good film. It's still a very, very fun film. It it's is, still a very, yeah. very enjoyable film. It's just, I think, everything he's made since it hmm. is better. And I think that a few of the movies that he made before it are better. Hmm. Melanie Laurent, her performance is is very good. Yeah. Um, and quite lucky. In compar- I, I think it maybe gets lost a little bit up until she goes mental at the end and is cackling on screen because it is lucky and a lot of the other performances are, like I said before, pantomime. They're they're larger than life and so the more subtle performances kind of get lost a little bit. Yeah. Um. What yeah. what are your thoughts here on rewatch? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's um, I, I, I previously have been very, 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 very big on um, on Inglorious Bastards. Um, it's a film which I, 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 I genuinely still really, really enjoy. But it's interesting hearing what you guys are saying, because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of nodding my head at an awful lot of it. Um, I think it's it, it, I, I think it starts incredibly strongly. I think that opening um, sequence between Denis uh, Minashay uh, or Dennis Minashay and um, and Christoph Waltz is incredible. Um, I think Minashay is fantastic in that as well. Um, I, I, I will just say um, Minashay actually starred in a, a, a short film that uh, Brad directed. Um, the name of which is embarrassingly escaping me. Um, oh, that's really bad. It's it's a Christmas film, Mark. You, you've seen it, haven't you? I've seen it, yeah. Oh, what the fuck? Me as well. I'll find out while you continue talking. Okay, yes, please do. Um, the meeting point, is it? No, no, it's no, not. That was I, s- I swear it's got Christmas in the fucking title. Oh, my God. I'll find out why you're doing what is it. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, that's really bothering me, because it's good. Um, Miracle on Canary Wharf. Miracle on Canary Wharf, fucking hell. Um, Brad, if you are listening to this, which I, you're probably not, but if you are, I apologise, buddy. I've had, a, I've, I've had a few to drink. Um, and, yeah, I, it, it, it's... That... that 20 minute or so sequence I think is incredible and it sets off Chris it sets up Christoph Waltz is just this crafty bastard so well and then it you know it cuts to Aldo giving that speech and that thing that I really don't think helps Brad Pitt is that one shot where it's like you owe me 100 Nazi scalps and then he steps into the frame yeah and I want my scalps you know it, it it's that was odd and it, I, I think they are painting him that he is larger than life and that he is a bit of a caricature um 
but then against the rest of the film you know melanie laurent is very very down to earth very downplayed you know and her whole thing i mean daniel brawl i think like the toxic nazi masculinity of daniel brawl is kind of under heralded in this film like the way that like he's trying to be charming but he's also fucking gobbling up all the attention that he's he's getting off of people and feeding off of it and then at the end like he's like bursting in on her it's i think i think he's very very good in this um her dismissive fuck you frenchness in it is amazing as well though yeah yeah (laughs) oh yeah no absolutely the thing is it's like she is like in her way trying to be as polite as possible in a fuck you way of just like look just leave me alone i'm obviously not interested in you you know I, it's it, 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 yeah no it's, melanie laurent is fucking brilliant in this um eli roth yeah it it, it feels like the least productive create creative relationship that tarantino has ever had is with eli roth yeah i i, I think it was and the thing is that i was saying to bex the fact that adam sandler was mm. tarantino's first choice for that that makes sense that's the thing I mean, sandler can be intimidating can be dramatic and can be laid back yeah you know it it Sandler would have fucking killed it in that role. And instead you've got Eli Roth who, you know, what has Eli Roth done for Quentin Tarantino? He's been a douchey jock guy in Grindhouse. Mm. He's been one of the worst parts. He he, he was, he was Eli Roth in Grindhouse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, quite. And he was one of the worst parts in the glorious bastards. What has Quentin Tarantino done for Eli Roth? I don't know. Only made his career. You know, and what kind of career has Eli Roth had? I mean, it, 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 I don't know. It's weird. He seems to be getting like getting by on the vapors of being Tarantino's mate. It's yeah. and I talk about falling upwards as well. Like, what's his next fucking project? The Borderlands film, and he's got Kate Blanchett starring in it. The second film that Kate Blanchett has been directed by Eli Roth for. How does that happen? He's such a weird one, is is Eli Roth, in the sense that I think you could argue that he's maybe made one good movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I I don't know, I just, I I think it's, it's fascinating, but he's, he's not good in this, you know, it's almost like Quentin Tarantino saw a bit of him in Eli Roth in terms of the Oh, he doesn't act very well, but he really wants to try and make it. So I'll put him in one of my films. You know, it's like Tarantino just constantly trying to be an actor as well. Um, I, 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 you know, I, but I think there is some marvelous extended sequences in this. I think the whole thing in the tavern is amazing. Um, the, 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 the fucking tension in that whole bit is great. And, you know, early Fassbender, really, really solid Fassbender. Um, and at the ending as well, I mean, just the whole bravura uh, nature of it, the, you know, the killing of Hitler and just the 
how explosive it gets and then the image of melanie laurent laughing at like through the like the, the projected light through the smoke uh, it brilliant it, yeah. I, it, just fucking brilliant and just that one shot as well of her laughing as the flames are coming up you know i mean it, it's tarantino's got this whole thing for cathartic violence down so much like we were talking last week with once upon a time in hollywood with um you know that 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 whole sequence at the end and how brutal it is but how weirdly funny it is and cathartic it is he's doing that here and that happens in django unchained as well you know um i hate for late not so much but only because it, it is a smaller scale experience despite the fact it's shot in 70 millimeter which is a fucking wonderful contradiction in terms um but yeah it, it, it's i still really 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 like inglorious bastards but having watched i mean once upon a time in hollywood is now firmly my favorite tarantino i'm not entirely sure it's his best film i haven't watched shaggy brown in a long time Jackie Brown's an understated masterpiece. I mean, basically, I think we're admitting that we're going to watch Jackie Brown as the next part of that, yeah. art, is it? <laughs> um, but I, I, I would say in the past couple of years, I have watched all of Tarantino's movies within the past like three years, I think it is. Um, and I am, I think I'm comfortable in saying that I, I do think One Fun Time in Hollywood is his best movie. Yeah, it's the most well-rounded and the most accomplished. I, one of my main issues with, with Bastards is I don't feel like the character development or the story development pulls you in in the same way that you get the satisfaction of that cathartic violence at the end that you do in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, it's great, Hitler dies, but it, you're not as like invested. It's not as, yeah, fucking die you and smash your face into a fireplace. And it's, it's just, it's not satisfying. Uh, it's a question. Have you seen the original Glorious Bastards? No. Have you, Ian? No, of course I have. I mean, it's not, it, it's not, it's not like a based on or anything like that. Mm. It's not uh, even inspired with. It's just there is a, a film from the seventies with Fred Williams uh, um, that's called Inglorious Bastards. Um, it's it's a very B movie in what is it genre pick? That's uh, kind of fun, but. You get the feeling it's one of those that had a better poster, a better trailer than the actual movie actually actually is. Um, but uh, we actually got it on DVD. Do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's... Mike get you it. No. Yeah. That seems like something your uncle Mike would get you. No, but it might be something very similar to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it, it, it it's fun. Um, I, I could see your uncle Mike sat there going, "Oh, you like that Tarantino movie, do you? Yeah, watch this, you fucker." Well, weirdly, I actually watched it before. Um, Glorious Bastards. Before it was cool. Before it was cool to yeah. watch it, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, yeah, but it, 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 it's it, it, it's entertaining. It, it's a good cure, is what I would say. Yeah. Can I make a request for the week after next? Charity? Mm-hmm. Go on then. Please can we watch The Hateful Eight? I've only seen it once and I don't really remember it. It's a remember. long commitment to make in December. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Well, you made me watch Holiday. No one makes people watch Holiday. <laughs> people are allowed to watch Holiday because it's wondrousness. It's what? Wondrousness. Wondrousness. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how we feel next week after what I did, but I would say yes, probably. We'll, we'll watch it anyway. 
but the one that you get to challenge stick is like four hours long. I don't care. <laughs> We're watching shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, glorious bastards. It, it's still without question definitely not shit. Oh god, yeah. I mean, that's it. it it's like feels like damning with fake praise and it, it it really isn't it's it's a great movie it's just his body of work is very strong and it is towards the weaker end of that for me yeah it, it it feels shallow in comparison to some of the others like i think he's quite good at character development in general like even with like the the earlier stuff like you do care about these people he develops them to the point where you care about them and I, I just don't get that from this as much this is what the Tarantino said it took him the longest to write. Mm. And he, he he said that he literally he overwrote it, he thinks. Mm, possibly, yeah. Uh yeah, but definitely shit. Definitely shit. Definitely shit. And yeah. I'm guessing you're still definitely shit. Indeed. Uh and our audience poll was definitely shit ninety three percent and touching cloth seven percent. Hmm. Very good. We do have some questions, I'm just gonna find them. Uh it's quite difficult though to put this new format because of fleets. Um just scroll up. Just push your thumb a centimetre yeah, upwards and goes away. Is it? No, what's that? Oops. Yeah, go try to get to our profile. Look. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, Normella uh, says, You can cast Randy Quaid and James Woods in anything you like. What do you choose? I'll start the C. <laughs> uh, a heroic mission to restart the sun <laughs> so like like sunshine but for dickheads yeah so you know like you've got five other capsules full of the most elite brilliant scientists so like like that episode of the simpsons where marge and lisa get on the good plane and homer uh, and bart are on a plane with yep. tom arnold and paulie shaw yeah, that 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 that's essentially it. But it's like, but the only way that those five scientists could, okay. So there's a government mandate that six capsules have to be sent up there to try and try and restart the sun. Yeah, there has to be six. Yeah. So the scientists are devising ways of the fuel and whatnot. It's like the only way we can make this work is if one of the capsules doesn't have enough fuel to get back then all the others can you phone up randy quaid you phone up james woods you phone up um scott bio bio you say gentlemen your earth needs you your president needs you because even though it's the year like 2035 they still believe that trump is the legitimate president we need you to go up there and save the earth. How do we do that? You need to put yourselves in the sun. Trump's asked you to do it. Oh, yeah. All right, then. Absolutely. Off they go. Put John Voight in there as well, actually. Let's yeah. not forget John Voight. Um, they all go off to the sun. The other scientists, hopefully they all make it back alive. Job done. I mean, I would say that we don't even need to have to have the sun be actually, you know, broken or anything like that. I think we could just tell them that and get rid of the cunts. Yeah, fuck them off into the sun. And that's yeah. what the film adaptation will be called. Fuck them off into the sun. Yeah. What's yours? Would it be too mean to say Salo? No, it wouldn't. 
Manja, manja, manja. Yeah. Salah on the back two in human centipede. <laughs> the back two. Yeah. And Trump's the front. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we enjoy eating his shit, so there we go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh... Or the sun and the body double of the sun in a Serbian film. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh... I, I, yeah, I think you two answered that better than I could. <laughs> You stole my Salo idea. Oh, really? Yeah. On a related note, I'm watching Salo again at some point. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Oh, no, 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 no. You guys should do a podcast about Salo and call it Steal My Salo. (laughs) (laughs) I've watched Salo twice. I don't need to watch it again. I also want you to to find Audition for me as well, because clearly I feel like watching troubling shit. If you steal my Salo... (laughs) Uh, Rick Kidd, at Rick J. Kidd, is there any sci-fi from your childhood that you would like to see remade slash remastered with modern effects? For me, I'd pick The Last Starfighter. I would have said Tron, but Tron Legacy already kind of did that. Hi, Rick. Hey? Hi, Rick. Oh, hello, Rick. Uh, Rick, Demon Seed, starring Elizabeth Debicki. Ooh, that's a good shout. That's a really good shout. But she'd just be too tall for the computer and it wouldn't be able to process it. Can you imagine what um, war games would be like now? Mm. It's fucking drones and shit like that. I'm not big into sci-fi when I was little. I wasn't that big into sci-fi when I was younger. Like the big ones that I remember, the effects are already pretty damn good. Like your Star Wars and stuff, the effects kind of hold up. They're fine. So the, the sci-fi Tron, Tron would be the big one. The sci-fi that I was watching was stuff like Terminator, <laughs> Robocop, at a way too young age. Vex, have you ever seen Demon Seed? I have not. A mo- literally, a modern remake would be if a Nest thermostat was trying to fuck Elizabeth Debicki. <laughs> right. Fair play. It's a hell of a film. Demon Seed, that's all Part of me wants to say stuff like, like the kiddie sci-fi type, type fantasy movie, like Never Ending Story and stuff like that. But part of their charm is the the effects. Yeah. You, you could never have the Never Ending Story now. Um, I mean, that's a film where a horse dies because it gives up on life. <laughs> I mean, it's really sad. Yeah. It is. In, it's in the swamp of eternal sadness. So I believe that's I believe that's that's Donna's favourite movie, isn't it? It is indeed. Yes. I I, I, I didn't want to say that because I thought I'd said it many times on the show and I didn't want to be boring. As, as Lottie seen it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I never. Yeah, she has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I missed your answer there because I'm <laughs> <been> boring. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Ian? Oh uh, yeah, she has. Yeah, we watched we'd watched it in the last year. Did she Did she cry at the horse bit? She wasn't happy. <laughs> I watched it about three months ago and I fucking cried at the horse bit and I know it comes back to life. I don't know what was wrong with me. It's a very emotional film though. It either yeah, it is. Roller coaster. Fucking right. Ooh. The fucking rock guy when he sat there talking about his big strong hands and it's like, you do have big strong hands. That's <laughs> 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 the marsh. Love it. Uh, can I say June? Kind of cheat a little bit. Well, June, we're getting a remake of that, aren't we? Oh, my God. Sorry, just on your screen, there's 2010, which obviously is 2001 sequel. Have you seen this fucking thing they've found in America? Oh, it's Monolith, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? 
they've got evidence and video of, of apes starting to use tools and essentially entering the stone age of, of, of man. So we've got fucking 2001 and Planet of the Apes going on simultaneously. 2020 can go fuck itself. The world's starting to heal itself, Becky. <laughs> apes are using tools. Yeah. I, for one, welcome our ape over <laughs> Yeah, I, seriously, I fucking welcome it. I can't wait to be dominated by a gorilla. Tightly being sexy. How did you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, right, that was it for our questions. Uh, what are we covering <laughs> next week, Ian? I don't know anymore. Um, Jackie Brown. And the hillbilly allergy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's hell of a fucking combo next week. So we've got Ron Howard's atrociously reviewed hillbilly allergy. Um, I can't, I kind of can't wait. I can't wait. Um, it's it's on Netflix now. I might yeah. start watching it tonight. Um, we're we've also Fifty Shades Freed. Sorry. We're watching Fifty Shades Freed tonight. Fucking a, nice. Um, just you know, go easy on each other. All right, guys. Like Jesus Christ. Um, it's his birthday tomorrow, Ian. So. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You kept that quiet, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right though, because lockdown birthdays don't count, so he doesn't get a year older. Oh, no, I saw a fucking DVD in Tesco yesterday. I was thinking, oh, I should get that for Mark for Christmas. And I was fucking, if I knew it was your birthday, I would have bloody... Yeah, fucker. All right. You've already got me a Yakuza for Christmas. That's for Christmas. This is for... Yeah, I know. I actually know. And then I thought, oh, I've already bought him a video game. He can go fuck himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, Christmas Chronicles 2. Yes. That's tomorrow, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's the one that's ours tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. We've got Hillbilly Allegory. Do you know what else is tomorrow? What? On certain streaming services. Um, that Kristen Stewart and Kenzie Davis one. Oh, Happier Season. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, shit. Yeah, we will need to do that next week as well, won't we? Oh, we've got a lot of films to do next week. <laughs> Blimey, Charlie. Right, okay, so we've got Hillbilly Allegory. We've got Christmas Chronicles 2. We've got Happiest Season. We've got Jackie Brown. We've got Jiu-Jitsu. It's a fire banger, that one. Fucking hell. You know, just... What a world. What a world, guys. What a world. I'm Christmassy, so we can start feeling all festive from next Tuesday. Yep. And do you know what I'm seeing in the cinema on Friday night? Go on. Die Hard. I, uh... Nice. Oh. It's not December in, on Friday, though, Ian. It's 2020. We're currently debating whether it's even worth putting a Christmas tree up for the amount of time it'll probably spend on the floor, given that we've got a cat. I mean, you know, it's the, fir- it's the first Christmas with the dog. Mm. So I am concerned about that. <laughs> Uh, Our dogs have never been that bothered by Christmas trees. Uh, however, the cat, Becky's cat, anything that dangles anywhere, he will attack. So. I mean, all the dangly things are his. 
So. Yeah, so it could be quite amusing. Or really fucking irritating. Yeah, I'm going really fucking irritating. <laughs> Let's get a report next week. What? You could put it in your guitar corner. It, no matter where you put it, he's going to pull it down. I think he's more likely to go for it there. No, he'll go for it no matter where it is. Damn believe. <laughs> and on that note, we did the preamble earlier on, so I'm not going to be because I, I think it was very, very fully featured. So, at this point, I'm just going to say, you know, we're nearly at the end of 2020, guys. 2021 is going to be a better year. It's going to be okay. Everything will be all right in the end. But for now, fuck off. <laughs> Bye.
podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.